Welcome to Bachelor of Hearts Presents Senior Studies, the Golden Bachelor podcast that asks the question, if every month is April, does that mean we don't get to do a Halloween episode this year? Oh, oh no. What no. a tragedy that would be for me. <laughs> Your favorite, of course. My favorite of all the episodes is when you go crazy for Halloween. Not a thing I bother you with every year and you have to sit through. <laughs> Well, my name is Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. I love The Bachelor. My granddaughters told me I have Riz and I Good. hate the coronavirus. And joining me, as always, is my co host, Max Quinn. How's it going, Max? Xavier, I am so excited to be joining you to break down the very first episode of The Golden Bachelor here on The Bachelor of Hearts podcast. And before we go any further, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording today on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This always was, this always will be Aboriginal land. Our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello to you if you are a First Nations Bachelor of Hearts listener Yes, uh, and it is also uh, not just a particularly big moment for the world of The Bachelor, it's also a particularly big moment for the rights of Indigenous Australians, with the referendum being held uh, in just a week or two uh, to decide whether or not to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to Parliament. Um, I just thought we would go on record (laughs) and say we are strongly in favor of it um i think it's an important moment to uh make a change that will benefit everybody um so take that haters back off (laughs) yeah back off is the message yeah that's what i'm voting for (laughs) putting aaron spin on the messaging (laughs) yeah it's good stuff here on the bachelor of hearts podcast zave we're here to cover the very first episode of the golden bachelor We need to lay it out for anyone who is here for the very first time before we get to our very special guest. That's right. So The Golden Bachelor, what is that? Is that like when you leave The Bachelor out to... Oh, actually, that is kind of a bit (laughs) bit like... Kind of is. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's a brand new American version of The Bachelor with a lead who is 72 years old and a cast of women aged 60 and up. And uh, what, what about us? We said our names, but what is all this? Yeah, so this is the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. We are Australia's longest running and friendliest Bachelor recap show. Normally we cover the Australian show exclusively, but there have been lots of people in our community asking for us to cover the Golden Bachelor. We're really excited about this new format, about this fresh take on this show that we love so much. And look, we found it very hard to say no. Welcome to you if this is your first time joining us. We are so stoked to have you here. And you've gotten here just in time because we're going to be recapping the very first episode of The Golden Bachelor with one of the greats of the Australian Bachelor franchise. That's right. So you know this person already. She might be the Mm. reason you clicked the little button to listen to this episode. She was the first person from the Bachelor franchise to ever appear on our podcast. 
um, main credit getting in there first. Uh, true. She once co-hosted a competing Bachelor podcast of her own. Uh, boo. <laughs> I don't know. It was good. It was really good. I, I listen say? to it every week. She appeared on season six of The Bachelor Australia, seasons two and three of Bachelor in Paradise Australia, and her fabulous new book, The Villain Edit, a memoir about reality TV and taking control of the narrative, is out now. Please welcome back to the show, Alicia Aitken-Radburn. Woo! Woo! Hey, friend. <laughs> That's me inserting my own woos and applause. Oh. <laughs> Max, oh, Max will do some audio trickery to make it sound like there were like 300 of you. Some, Lots post, of, yeah. some post-production yeah, changing. Yeah, this is the magic that I bring to the show. My friend, how are you? I am so good. And when you put my bachelor's CV together, all like that, same, it like is really starting. It's a lot more solid since I joined um, where I was just uh, Honey Badger season, season six, and one mm. season of Bachelor in Paradise. We had not even met the husband yet. And we we surely right. had not hosted the podcast nor written the book. Do you know what's so funny about that is that I remember coming off the back of the episode that we had recorded together in the studio that I was renting uh, in the middle of Sydney a couple of years ago. And you were like, look, confidentially, I have gotten an offer to return. Should I come back to the show? And I said no. <laughs> I was like, what have you got to gain? Wow, yeah, I totally remember that. We were in the lift. I was yeah, going to say shaft, like- and that, I mean, it's accurate. We were in a lift shaft. <laughs> also, it's not that- a very yeah, glamorous yeah. lift. <laughs> it's yeah. not. And you, yeah, so we So, my were. advice to you was don't meet your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was sliding doors moment, literally, in the lift wow. shaft. <laughs> You're not yeah. wrong. That's so true. Lish, you've just come off a book tour for the villain edit. We'll get to the book. There's so much to say about the book. How was the tour? The tour was absolutely incredible, but incredibly exhausting. I do not yeah. know how people are performers or like I felt like a stand-up comedian with far less good material every <laughs> single night. And I almost think as a bit of a protective mechanism, you start to deliver the same sort of material because it makes the process easier. And yeah. like Poor Glenn, for listeners who aren't aware, my, my husband, he came along on the book tour with me and he sat through like eight or nine events. And every time, <laughs> like every time after, he was obviously so lovely. He was like, just an excellent job, babe. And he's like heard every story and me yeah, having yeah. to do the sort of like feigned pauses to like for dramatic effect each time. (laughs) (laughs) I remember we, because we came to see you in Sydney, it was really wonderful, and we spoke to Glenn directly afterwards, and he explained it really well. He gave the most glowing version of, I've seen this four or five times already, which was like, yeah, she's like really refined it. She's like really... (laughs) (laughs) That is so generous to be like, fuck, I've listened to this shit for a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and Glenn, you too have refined the thing to say to people. (laughs) (laughs) It was Actually, his like holding lines of the day. I was like, we're, we're like a media unit, and I, I give him his lines. Right, for, his talking uh, points for that grades. day. Yeah, <laughs> you were getting up every what morning at the so- tour for like six at like six a.m. <laughs> just like, okay, here's what we need to hit today. We're prepping. Yeah, for the Dimix walk-in. <laughs> what struck me as so interesting about these in-person events was how much of the fandom happens online. One of the major themes in the villain edit 
is like your relationship with the fandom, both in terms of like you are a fan of the show, the way that the fans of the show reacted to you, and in turn how it made you perceive yourself and how you saw the world. Was there anything surprising to you about taking it out of the internet and making this like a big physical we're in person kind of event? It, yeah, it's like that's such great insight because it probably didn't strike strike me in that way initially. I was kind of just like, oh, I've written this book and I'm going on a book tour. But I had that same experience of that sort of online commentary and fandom to who are, who are, who are these people who are yeah. – it's, it's quite funny. It's like – I, it feels like there is a bit of a – we talk about parasocial relationships all the time and I think I generally try to um, embrace that relationship in that I find it like a quick – if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I saw you on the show, I loved you on the show, I guess I try and use it as a bit of like a um, – it just – expedites the process of getting to know that person for me. And so Mm. then, Mm -hmm. in fact, I actually try and shift. I'll, like, answer any juicy questions that they have, but I also try and, like, flip that dynamic pretty quickly to asking someone about themselves and getting to know them given that they know a lot about me. Right. And so there was definitely... I I felt like that dynamic happened a lot on the book tour. There was also, I also think that there's a particular demographic of fans that come out to a physical event. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. that you have the same cohort of people who are leaving potentially like, you know, referencing some of the chapters in the book, Mm. like chapter three sort of reels off like a Rolodex of hate comments. And I don't think that those people are the people who are turning up to physical events. And Mm. then, but, but then as an addition to this, and I think you guys will be so intrigued by this and I probably, I think I did rattle off this same scenario um, at the event that we were, were all at at Marrickville Library, but I have an add-on from Brisbane mm, Library. Please. But um, in the book, I talk about I, I, I sort of talk about one particular fan in a fan space, one of the the super fan forum, and um, if you read the book, you'll get a good sense of what that community is like. And um, I was fixated on this one fan called Babette to the point that she she is like a featured character through the villain edit. Yeah, yeah. And and I can't understate how how involved and attached I was to this forum and to that particular user. And so I kept speculating with friends and with Glenn about whether Babette would rock up to one of the physical oh book God. events. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because there's yeah, there's a couple of things to mention. Like I in the course of writing the book, I joined the forum and I messaged Babette and I was trying to pushing for a physical meetup because I thought it would make a great epilogue, but she kind of, oh, and I say she, this is, this is a joke from the tour. I might. <laughs> you don't know, but yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so it was like, I, and I do, I still genuinely do do it. I go for like the female pronoun, which is something we mm. could unpack, but I don't know who Babette is to this day. Yeah. And every sort of like there would be questions each night and I would think like I thought it was going to be a, um, is it Spartacus where it's like 
<laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> like people would stand up and be like, I am the best. I am the best. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. And then when we got to Brisbane City Library, last event on the tour, Glenn mm. hosted. He was like so excited for it. It was a really special night. Mm. And um, Romy from my season rocked up. Oh, that great. was overseas, but she would have been there as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful, like the main Q&A was beautiful. And then we threw it out to the audience. And the first question came from a Asian man who I would, you know, I, I reckon is a, was about edging 60. Mm-hmm. And he just asked the most beautiful, um, like, insightful, incisive question about representation and fandom. And it was just a baller question. The room literally was so quiet as he asked it. And also, you know, the demographic of the audience. He was an outlier. Mm-hmm, and, and then afterwards we were coming down the, the escalator and I was like, that's Babette. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? So in my fantasy for the rest of time, that man at Brisbane City Library is Babette. And <laughs> it's a funny one. I have to admit, like, I've still checked the forums through the process of the mm-hmm. book's release. And sure. yeah. I have to say that I am, uh, for, for people who are not familiar with the forum. Basically, though, it's it's structured by season, and then once you're you've graduated from your season, you're either in the eyes of the forum, you're either irrelevant, and you don't have like a it's an archive thread by that point. Right, you have to go digging for you the don't stuff have an that's ongoing not topic currently or, on season. Yes, yeah. or they have like they have two different threads that are former contestants so those would be people who are not partnered from the show this is so mm-hmm. like deep and no I, I love this because i've been on these forums yeah. plenty Xavier uh, knows exactly yeah this is not for about. me <laughs> this is not the zone that i occupy on the internet although i did recently uh, join a forum on the internet called trombone chat we'll talk about Ooh. it in a while <laughs> I'm very intrigued Max, by Max, do you play the chat. trombone? We'll get to it. And Max is no, Babette no, in no, trombone chat. <laughs> <laughs> so there's um, former contestants who did not, like, leave the series with a partner. And so in mm. that thread you'll have people like um, Abby Chatfield or, like, Megan Marks. They're usually, like, high-profile people that where there is a sort of compulsion to follow their activity. Like, they've retained some sort of significant media profile usually it's like if the daily mail is still writing about them yeah yeah, bang on and then if you're not a former contestant you're a former couple and um (laughs) and so so in that one you've got like jimmy and holly connor and mary all of and and that's actually by um that's not just dedicated to australia they've got like in the same thread it's like these They're two mixed people in with from the, Bachelor Ukraine. The Thai people and the Ukrainian <laughs> right. people yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Japanese people. Yeah, yeah. And so me, Glenn and I's thread is where usually like it would make sense that an update would be put about me. And I have, it's so literally against the thesis statement of the book, which is that <laughs> I should not be caring about these spaces anymore. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, not to spoil anything for anyone, but basically it's like I've decided that like, 
I have now completed the process of healing. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> here I am just refreshing constantly. But I, I, I was I I like to think that like rather than being fully healed, I've sort of the work that I've done is stopped like internalizing. The, mm-hmm. the way that I've expressed it on tour is that I should now be able to go on Goodreads. Like the book is, the thesis of the book is in practice in that I've put a piece of work into the world that will be likely be criticised and people have different perspectives on. And I should be able to mm. go on Goodreads and see a two-star review and not internalise that to the point where I'm like, I'm a pathetic loser. <laughs> And you should have the healthy decision and realisation that the person who gave you two stars is a pathetic loser. <laughs> um, That's so, maturity, all, you know? This, this is all a very long-winded way to say that I have checked the forum since releasing the book and I really hope to hear from Babette at some mm. point in my life. Well, I think you can reframe the, the uh, frantic refreshing and checking not as some symptom of some un you know unending uh mental you know anguish, anguish. whatever <laughs> but but as an opportunistic uh potential for a sequel i think you're really exactly we're doing the, the prologue yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will mm. be about friendship and forgiveness right when i last spoke to you i thought the final chapter had been written you know <laughs> oh that's really good save me right. a ghostwriter give me that co-write credit yeah so I do hope that I, I hope one one day that we do um, have a conversation about it because I do think it must. I, I'm also just intrigued at what this literal random person commenting on the internet mm-hmm. actually thinks. Like I, I, I am sure that Babette now knows that they are featured in. Mm a book and I'm just very curious about what it would be from their side and their experience to sort of just feel like that they are just tapping away and I think a lot about Game of Roses podcast and I think you guys have listened to them haven't you yeah and I think you probably came in and started listening to them at a similar time as I did where you introduced them to us Uh, I I can't remember but I think it was I heard you talking about them as one of the more interesting bachelor podcasts maybe in hand in hand with talking about us and that's what made me it's it's completely it's completely true and I think at the point that I would have introduce you to Game of Roses for context, big American bachelor podcast, which um, provides like a more, a more compelling angle and commentary than perhaps like what they would call company podcasts, Mm. which I was Mm. once a party to your sort of (laughs) your cocktails and roses, which is like uh, connected to the network or Mm. the production company. And, you know, which they have in the States too. Yeah. Exactly. And so when I started listening to Game of Roses, they sort of weren't enmeshed in the culture of what they would call the game, The Bachelor. But since I started listening, like they are now, you know, they call it being in the pit in their community. Like now they've infiltrated the bachelor to the point that they've like got people holding up signs that yeah. um, men or women tell all they've got, um, 
they've there been, are references to their podcast in the American yes. Bachelor like fairly yes. regularly now. It's it's very odd. There yeah. was like a there was a contestant who I think um had it was seen with their book How to Win the Bachelor right yeah in the mansion yeah yeah and I think she was actually booted as a result. Yes yeah yeah. And so um I think that that has similar intrigue to me of like what happens when these traditionally disconnected spaces where people sort of feel like, uh, and it's made me think about fan spaces to the point that like, I think coming to the end of the book, I also, I have greater respect for fan spaces in that. I think it's a contestant enter at your own risk Mm. Um, I think you it, it's you have to be really mindful because I would actually now treat that forum more like um, I'm entering someone's group chat. Like it's a safe space yeah. for them to just like rail off like their genuine honest opinions of the show. Right. And it's so, so much mm. like that because it is not filtered in the way that, you know, something that you post more publicly that you don't have to like log in to see or whatever. Uh you know, it, the, there's stuff in there that I can imagine would be like quite shocking to you if you weren't expecting. Oh, absolutely. You know. And I think about it in the context of like other, I, I think that that whole dynamic is transferable to other things. Like, I don't know how much you guys have heard of like Reddit snark communities. Yeah, or, for sure. Or like there's a, there's a big forum called Tattle Life, which goes really into social media influences mm. and particularly yeah. on these snark forums. Like, they are incredibly intense. Mm. And so I think there's some really interesting discourse around, yeah, all of that as well. Well, so then I wonder what it means to you that we have had, independently of all of this, people come to us and our show having read your book and say, I saw myself in this. You know, like, uh, people who have gone through the book, have gone through and have not experienced what you have experienced, but have said, this is me. Yeah, I love that. That's actually one of the, I I mean, like not to feed the sort of like positive comment based (laughs) inside me, but like that's the, but it's so funny because uh, I really love that, but it's also, I I think it fits into this like narrative of um, celebrities that are just like us. Which, you you know, I think that, like, people out there do have this perception that, like, reality TV contestants are, like, do have some level of public profile or celebrity and thus they are different. Mm. And I think we hear it a lot where, like, we talk about US celebrities and it's like, oh, they're human beings with feelings and emotions and Mm. it's it's kind of like, of course. And I didn't set out to, I, I should caveat that all being, like, in the Australian context, I do not consider myself a celebrity. I but you know, oh, no, that, I didn't come across yeah, that way. Yeah, um, but I until think, this episode comes out, this podcast, comes and you out. will label it at which point, Alicia the celebrity. The celebrity, we won't have to. Yeah. The people celebrity will know. Author, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like Cedric the Entertainer <laughs> if you remember him. Um, I, I think it's you know I definitely didn't set out to be like oh um to like sort of jam it down people's throats like hey guys like why did you say all this mean stuff about me I'm just like a normal flawed human being but I do I Mm. guess it does like it it is sort of a secondary takeaway from the book I mean if you literally were that person you might have that 
interpretation if you were like fuck i was saying some weird shit on those forums or you know like i'm sure a lot of people in our audience if they well i would hope that our Mm. audience maybe not but like everyone would have seen at least some cooked shit going down in in you know whether it's like facebook comments whether it's like you know live tweets or whatever and like you can obviously post it without ever thinking about it again and that kind of thing but well, and I also think that I've done it as well. Like, I've mm. been a part of a lot of these fan spaces. And and I like to think that, and I, I would say, like, I think this goes for you guys as well and actually the majority of fans that we have. And it was probably one of my biggest challenges actually going on The Bachelor as someone who really loved the show. Mm. Because when mm. I watched reality TV and when I watched The Bachelor, I think that there's two types of viewers of reality TV. I think there are people that really watch through that entertainment lens and already have that inherent understanding that, like, I'm watching a representation, they understand post-production, they've got this media literacy around edits. So I think what that creates is this kind of, wall between them as a fan and the contestants, meaning they might post snarky comments to their group chat or they might do do sort of like private commentary. But mm. I guess I and I've I've engaged in the same things, but there I I would never take I could never see myself taking that extra step and going on like Harrison from Math's Instagram account and being like, <laughs> you're an absolute wanker or like, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. And I think yep. that that no matter how you might feel, yeah, I think that's the other type of fan as well. It would be that I think that there are a group of people who watch reality TV quite literally, yeah, and mm-hmm. and thus like the commentary is just tweaked slightly, rather than being mm. per- perhaps like it's very um playing the man versus the ball. Like I think if you're mm. watching it for entertainment, you're more inclined to do commentary that's like, um like Harrison's behaviour is really problematic because he is slut-shaming this woman and this is X, Y, Z, rather than yes. being like Harrison is a horrendous <laughs> Harrison's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And don't label the episode that time. <laughs> 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 it's funny that this is the approach that you have taken to the forums because the approach that I take to forums uh, as a man of nonsense on the internet. Is Trombone chat, different. sorry. Trombone. I want to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, I think we it. have got to get this. Recently I learned that there is a forum where people talk about trombones all the time. Doesn't surprise me. And so I kind of thought, like, what if I got on trombone chat and the approach that I take to these forums, and I'd just like your take on this after I read you the post that I made, um, is to be a cat amongst the pigeons Oh, so what are you just like posting being like that trombone key looks really fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Can we just clarify, is this R slash trombone chat? Is this a subreddit? Oh no no no. This is a whole website. Really? If you want to find the old trombone couples, you have to go back through the archives. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let's just talk about my wife left me. Is it because of trombone? This is the one you posted. Is that what you made? <laughs> <laughs> this is my first post. Just looking for somewhere to come and share my thoughts. And I've been reading the posts here at TC for the past year. <laughs> Anyways, as the title says, Deb, my so-called wife, left this week. <laughs> Deb and I were happily married for the last 18 years. 
We were high school sweethearts and graduated together in the 80s, then went our separate ways, before an old professor kicked the bucket back in Fredericksburg, and we got it on again at the funeral. This time, (laughs) stayed together, rearing a handful of children and some pigs on a farm outside town. Everything was good up until about six months ago, which coincides with a time in my life when I was getting really into trombones. I was so curious about them. The sound, the feel, it can be so graceful and so destructive. It can be delicate like a beautiful woman and loud and strong like a truck. I was doing lots of practice on my second-hand Jupiter that I bought off Craigslist. Maybe too much practice. I read here on the forums that I should be practicing two hours a day, so I was trying to fit that in between dinner and bedtime. You know how it is. You fit your passions and hobbies in when there's bills to pay. You know how it is. Relatable. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Especially in this economy. During this time, I could sense that Deb did not like the trombone as much as me. One day I walked in and she was on the phone to her sister calling it the devil's blowhole. We started to argue real bad about that. I am a Christian man. I will not allow invocations of Beelzebub in my home. Deb got quieter as the months passed. I even started to think that she was enjoying the sound of me upstairs in our bedroom, blowing brass uninterrupted for many hours at night, especially after I started getting good. I'm probably one of the better newbies you've heard on this forum, and that's being modest. I just got so encouraged by reading the posts here on Trombone Chat, and I wanted to get good right away and practice as much as I can. My favourite player is JJ Johnson. May God rest his soul. People say trombone shorty is better, but I disagree. I don't like a show-off, and he's not even that short. You should listen to the greats, like Miff Mole or J.J. Johnson. At least that's what I think, yes. And what many people have said here on Trombone Chat. So anyways, this afternoon I got back from church to put on some football. Sundays of a praying and the Dallas Cowboys. And Deb is nowhere to be seen. Later I find out she's gone to stay with her sister and she's leaving me. Brad's about to graduate and Brick is already in his first year at TCU, Texas Christian University, not Trombone Chat University. (laughs) So I guess it's just going to be me all alone now. She seems sure she's not coming back and I'm getting worried at this point. Not to call anyone any names... But her sister is a real you-know-what, in my opinion. (laughs) A bad influence. And based on our prior argument, I do think it's because of too much trombone. In the sober light of day, do you think that two hours of practice sometimes more at night is too much? I don't know why Deb didn't speak up over the sound of me kicking ass at the trombone. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to share my sad story. Is Deb being unreasonable? I love an honest opinion from my fellow trombone players <laughs> who might have gone through similar problems. May God bless you all. I really was not expecting a five-minute <laughs> soliloquy on trombone tonight. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of nonsense that I like to partake in on the okay, internet, Alicia. So, so I often, like, I, I've really thought through this process, mm. who are, like... 
who is so invested in a community that they are taking so much of their time? Just right. going back to Bobette for one second. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yes, but this is the point. Like, these these Bachelor fans, I, 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 I kind of I respect being able to like engage in a community so much and so regularly and now max you have proven tonight the the capacity that people have in their lives (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm more worried than you about you Well, because one of the things about Babette and and the users of that forum is they, uh, a lot of their, the the tone of the conversation and the commentary and stuff is um, how bad things are and how bad the show has gotten and how like, oh, I can't believe they're doing it again this year. And like, oh, did you see what this horrible couple did? And that kind of thing. And I promise that I'm not trying to wedge the segue too hard, but one thing that Mm, is actually quite interesting is, you know, we're going to talk about The Golden Bachelor tonight. Mm -hmm. And I actually think, not that I'm I'm too, like, I'm a part of a couple of Batchy US groups, um, but uh, so I'm not as embedded in the socials and the forums as I am for the Australian version. Mm. But um, I actually don't think that that's the narrative that's playing out online for The Golden Bachelor. I actually think for the first time in a long time, People are like with they're achieving what they've been hoping to achieve for so long. People are refreshed and engaged and excited. A hundred percent. And it's so interesting, isn't it? The question that I have for you as we transition into recapping this episode is: you wrote a book called The Villain Edit. Zave and I, in our preview episode, were not certain that we could see a villain emerging from this oh. pack because of the way that the because of the way that the bios were structured, because of who these women are. Could you relate to this episode? Did you see yourself in it? I guess to rephrase the question slightly, um, I, I didn't see the archetype of the villain yeah. within yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, there was a moment when, um, I can't remember her name, but um, uh, Blue blue Secret Dress um, oh was God. a big narrator in the rose ceremony. And um, she, like, probably made the first slightly snarky comment about the other women mm. and me and Glenn looked at each other and were like villain but, but you know <laughs> it, it was it was more of a it was more of a gag than anything because I promise that I'm not obsessed with Babette but it's just it has me thinking um in the conversation that I had with them when I joined the forums and I basically was like tell me about what you think of the show I'm writing an article not a book sure. yep. about my reality TV experiences not about you. And, you, you won't and, be in it, yeah. And they wrote a really generous long reply that talks a lot about how um, the reason why the forum loves sleuthing the show is because the because it's so formulaic and the archetypes are so strong. And they rattled off the, the list to me, the, like the slut, the villain, the wifey, all of that. Sure. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed that in the, the, the Golden Bachelor wasn't formulaic. Yeah, and, exactly. And I... I hope that it's leading, we'll get into it more deeply, but I hope it is leading to this new era of reality TV, which I think has always, producers have always had it at their disposal to do. Yes. Where we tell more interesting stories because we we 
we don't try and do the sort of easy archetype. We just let things play out with mm-hmm. all of the shades of grey that they are as they are in, you know, reality TV versus real life. Mm. Um, it's much more, much more of a compelling watch because then you have the audience more involved and... And, and you see a more complete picture of people's personalities. Totally. This is it, right? And so when I was watching villain Kathy say those things at the rose ceremony in this beginning episode, I was kind of compelled. At the same time, I was like, oh, look, I can understand how this can be interpreted as like maybe you'll have a villain arc. But I was also at the same time like – Maybe you're 70 and you want this nice man to love you. Yes. Mm. And, and yeah. one one other just sort of top level, we'll we, mm. we get to like lots of top level observations, but just while it's on the top of my mind, another thing that I was thinking about critically while I was watching this first episode and it did sort of, it drummed up all this emotion in me as someone who loves the franchise, but, but that has kind of followed that audience journey of being a bit like, what is The Bachelor's plural? Like, I'm not digging this. And yeah. then the new Gold mm. Coast Mansion. And I think I had sort of, I was thinking when Gary, what, Gary? Gary spelled It is unfortunately Gary, I believe. Oh, is it Gary? I think it's Gary. There's just no chance that we can pronounce this properly given our uh, southern hemispherical accent. Whatever comes out, we all know who we're talking about. And we can't do like Gary with like a full, it's like it's quite an Australian name. This is it because there are some of the like the real uh, New Jersey accents that are, they're saying Gary. They're saying Gary. Gary. So I think what I was thinking about in this first episode, they took it to this quite like clinical, very, just a very different environment of the Gold Coast in the Mm. Australian Bachelors last season. And I think that that added to it not working and people not vibing it. And then I was thinking of this like very, you know, it's The Bachelor. We've got like the ridiculous heavy curtains and the lush like colors and the suits and the dresses and the whole concept of the cocktail party Mm. and actually what it because through the writing of the book it it made it took me to actually like quite a sad place when when reflecting on the fact that I partook in this you know ranking people exercise with roses and and once I was watching The Golden Bachelor and watching and just watching these people putting themselves out there for love and and I think I actually think that I was comforted by the whole sort of artifice of the show and mm. the show's performance and you you know the women being in these ostentatious outfits and and all of the ridiculous tropes like the roses and mm. all of that jazz it actually made the because there's a level of that's all very OTT, it actually made the rose ceremony a little better because it almost takes it from the real world where perhaps your rejection is someone just not replying to your messages anymore. Right. Right. And so what does it say about us that the two women who you and I were like 10 out of 10 pickleballs these are the best women mm. on the series. Yeah. And the woman that we were looking through our uh, reality TV lens and going, this is the mother of a former bachelor. Of course, 
she is going to last forever, were all booted on the first night. What does it say about our MILF-DAR? I also, I guess I have more trust. Oh, actually, sorry, answer the question first. What's your (laughs) (laughs) MILF-DAR? Well, apparently not so good. Yeah, Yeah, not that good. Let's say about our trust star, though. I th- think that's nicer. I-, I felt like it was more authentic and I trusted the narrative more. And so I think that once we got to the rose ceremony, I had this inherent trust that um, instead of it being based on, like, wifeys or, you know, um, I-, I felt like, and I have these same feelings, I guess, in Bachelor in Paradise, which I do think is generally more authentic, the Australian version. I agree. Um, I, I trusted that the women that he was connecting with, the women that the woman he gave the first impression rose, though, I mean, we could actually deep dive on that because, you know, you've got a couple of women who I thought he had beautiful connections with. But I trust oh. that the women that... So when I was, like, going back, even before I went on The Bachelor and I analysed the rose call-out order on Wikipedia... We can already see from the first episode of The Golden Bachelor, like I know who our sort of like top five or six are. I can still see that in the show. Yeah. But I trust that they are the people that Jerry is generally connecting with. Yeah, rather than just being like the five most or maybe like the one who he ends up picking and then other interesting characters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It does feel much more based on actual connection and a storyline is built to reinforce that rather than the other way around. I think that it might be time for us to move into a recap of The Golden Bachelor, Season 1, Episode 1. Xavi, Max, Leash, ready to go. Here we go. All right. So there is no tonight on The Golden Bachelor. We get right into it. And that already was, like, exciting to me. I'm like, oh, okay, let's move. Let's fucking hustle. And we open on Gary Turner buttoning up his shirt, putting on his golden hearing aid. And I have to wonder Mm. if, was that pre-existing? Is it a lick of paint? Is it a brand new item? Who's to say? Uh, And uh, Gary is preparing for the first day of the rest of his life as the familiar sounds of The Wind by Cat Stevens begin to play. And I'm singling this out because this is the first time in recent memory that I have heard a genuine licensed popular song on a Bachelor show, apart from Bachelor in Paradise, which will do it usually for a punchline. But I think this goes a really long way into building the mood right up top. It's like a familiar song from a certain period in American history. I'm sure it's a Gary favorite, but it it really works. Did you guys notice this too? I can't say that I noticed it, but um, (laughs) I was was too fixated on the the voiceover. Sure, yes, a lot going on. Yes. And we see a slideshow of Gary's younger life where he narrates, I mean, it's, it, it happens very quickly, but he narrates meeting, loving, and then losing his wife of th- 43 years to a bacterial infection in 2017. And he's staring right into the camera and he's in tears as he says, they took my wife to an emergency room on July 7th and she never came home. And it's like three minutes into the episode and Jerry is crying and Xavier is crying. Is anybody else crying? Oh my I mean- God, Xavier. Like I, I, <laughs> I was wearing a jumper through the episode and I'm sitting with Glenn and I, ha- I was in such 
just absolute tears at mm. so many moments in the episode that I had to actually physically pull my sweater above <laughs> my head and like go like a little turtle because yeah. it was just oh I couldn't believe how quickly it worked on me especially because all day I had been sitting at my computer like refreshing trying to get a link to download it and I was growing <laughs> more and more frustrated it was like the middle of the afternoon I was like it's here oh it's here. Like, it really struck me, you know? I watched it for the second time last night with my girlfriend, and it took her 90 seconds. Yeah. And there would, it was just like, we were in tears. And the first time that I watched it, I was like, that's very sad, but I was also cooking dinner and doing other stuff. Uh-huh. Watching someone else have that experience that I care about, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is so deep and so meaningful suddenly. I, I was genuinely in preparation for this podcast. I was like, we each of us, if we had to plan this better, we would each have a buzzer that we could sound at the, if, I, if I'm reading the room correctly, or just my own experience, we would sound the buzzer at every time at which we teared up during this oh, episode. Oh, in the recap, I'm going to do a little buzzer sound. We'll just yeah, buzz. Please. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. sounds great. Okay, good. Well, Gary says he yearns for a second chance to fall in love again. The person who can lay down beside you at night and not have to say anything and you feel it, that's love. And we get a tiny little supercut of Gary's media appearances, but specifically just the ones on the Bachelor's home network of ABC. <laughs> Very good. Um, plus a couple of men on the street voxies. Um, you know, they've just done some like boardwalk. Yeah, they've gone of... down to like a wharf and been like, hey, yeah. what do you think of his chances? Yeah. And they're like, we want you to find love, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. We'll sign the release. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we also get a little glimpse of Gary's home life, surrounded by daughters and granddaughters who wish him well. But I can't stress this enough. We're not mucking it around. Gary steps out of the limo at Bachelor Mansion at minute five. Hell yeah. Host Jesse Palmer tells him, I'm really excited. I'm curious tonight. But more than anything, I'm rooting for you. The moment's finally arrived. Let the journey begin. Can I just say I much prefer an hour format for The Bachelor? Yeah. I, 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 it's something that's happened with RuPaul's Drag Race in mm. recent years. They basically, they used to do 90-minute episodes and for one season they were doing 60-minute episodes because it, w- it was followed by this quite controversial show in the eyes of the RuPaul's Drag Race fandom because it took away half an hour called The Real Friends of WeHo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I love and, The Real Friends of WeHo. We can talk about this off, <laughs> off mic. And I, and I was like, I was definitely, I could definitely feel it as an experience as a watcher in some regard like the runways were a lot shorter but i also just think like we're all live, like we've got busy lives everyone's and actually, got stuff to do sure, sure for the bachelor I, I you know as someone who this writes a lot about good. um mm. representation and nuanced stories and not being able to fit, it, fit a whole person's life into 90 minute edit yeah um, i actually really like 60 minutes <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, initially when I found out, because what they're doing is they're airing The Golden Bachelor and then going straight into Bachelor in Paradise. And Bachelor in Paradise is keeping its existing length of two very long hours. And I won't go into it too much, but I found this episode of Bachelor in Paradise to be pretty disappointing, particularly coming off the back of Golden Bachelor, which I really liked. And so at first, when I found out that was what they were going to be doing, I was really upset because I thought, like, they've actually made a mistake here. Golden Bachelor is the show, and it should be twice as long as Bachelor in Paradise. Um, But 
as we'll as we'll see, I think it really did pay off for the pacing of this episode. Um, are you guys happy to go on a quick pacing tangent with me? Let's go on the pacing yes. tangent. Okay, so for context, the first limo exit usually happens about twenty, maybe even twenty five minutes into an episode of The Bachelor. Um, sometimes even longer than that, and by usually it's crazy happens, that you know that. Uh, well, yeah, by usually happens, I mean, I went back and checked every single one of them. Yep. Uh, so. and the last time that it happened substantially earlier than that was in 2008. Um, so I got curious and then I checked the bachelorette the story's pretty much the same there. It's still around the 20 minute ma- mark, wow. maybe a little earlier. The one big exception though, was bachelorette season 20 from earlier this year, which got the ball rolling about 10 minutes in. Got it. So obviously a big part of this is like we said, the batch the Golden Bachelor is an hour of TV rather than this generous two hours that these normally go for. But it does make me wonder, um, Max, we recently talked about the fact that the franchise has got three new showrunners as of this year at the helm. Um, mm-hmm. whose first season was this year's Bachelorette. And I I have to wonder, it seems like it can't be a coincidence to me. I wonder if one of the big like f- first big changes that they might have pushed for was saying like can we just get to the limo exits as quickly as possible? That's what people want from a night one. Can we uh, leave some of the video package stuff for later and sprinkle it in where it's relevant? And can we stop doing so much like mucking around up the top yeah. and like bits and stuff? Like it really, it really gets to the point. I, I wonder if I you think guys... about it in the same way that I think about pop songs, which mm. is that like, you should never say more than you need to say. For me, when I'm critically listening to music as a medium, I've never really thought about TV in this way, but it is definitely why I'm drawn to sitcoms as a viewer. I want you to get in and get out and say only what you need to. Mm. What uh, dissuades me from, in particular, The Bachelor in Paradise seasons in the US, and sometimes The Bachelor seasons in the US as well, Mm. is that there's a lot of faff. Yes. You know, I feel like... I need you to get there and get there quickly because I have a short attention span, to be quite frank. I'm invested in this enough, but don't make me bored in the middle of it. Mm. I was not bored for a second when I was watching this, and that is what I found refreshing about it. And I think the other thing that strikes me is just how much they get done in that time as well. Like, it's not just quick. Five minutes in, you know everything you you could possibly need to know about Gary, uh, a, you pretty much get how the show's going to work. You already feel a genuine emotional connection with the guy as well. I think that's really important. So you're just like primed and ready, you know. Let's get into it. First limo exit is Edith, the 60-year-old realtor slash jewelry designer from Downey Jr., California, who starts the season with a bang when she hands Gary a confetti cannon and they, uh, they pop them off and they sh- they're, they're showered with gold streamers, which also match her very beautiful gold dress. I thought this was really good. It's a very, like, celebratory opening. Um, I loved it. I thought, um, and you've just made me think, Dave, when you said jewelry designer, this is getting too analytical. But I think that... On this another- podcast? <laughs> well, another dimension to this, because you just took me to Kat Hennessy-Smith, who was on my season. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, a, a shift in the dynamics between like casting women in their 20s versus women in their 60s and 70s is she's, you know, this is her occupation. She's a jewelry designer. And it do- it isn't immediately used as this like plot 
point of she's on the show to promote her business right, or yeah. to get Instagram followers. Yeah, and yeah. I, that was always a really actually like a big issue for me because um, for someone like Kat, like I could see, you could do a laundry list of, you know, Instagram followers would come before the fact that like she was genuinely a jewellery designer and that was her occupation and her passion. Yeah. And it's like, okay, are we really going to rip a woman down for, you know, having a business? It yeah. seems mm-hmm. very, yeah. Yeah. So go eat it, the jewelry designer. Yeah. I bet she's just there to sell some golden cicada earrings. <laughs> <laughs> that was cats. <laughs> the confetti is all conspicuously cleaned up instantly by the time Ellen Golzer, she of the private Instagram, walks out. And let me just add a little correction here. Um, her Instagram was on private, but then she sent us a direct message saying, you followed the wrong account. This is my new account. And she pointed us towards the new account. So we now have her well, this is nice I think I have commented. She's my winner, by the way, everyone. <gasps> oh. I'm calling it. She's my F1. Interesting. Um, that's forum speak. Yes. Um, and Ellen's a big I, part of this episode for sure. Well, I hope that I have found her correct Instagram because I did comment on it once I, you know, we will get there. But um, her beautiful friend, her friend. Roberta. Right, yes. Um, and the beautiful... Um, dedication at the end of the episode so she walks out and and uh she yells to the heavens roberta we made it and she gets a video package and we learn that ellen and her friend of 60 years roberta who is sadly dealing with cancer have been big fans of the bachelor franchise for years and we see roberta wishing ellen luck we also see ellen playing pickleball so if you're playing that drinking game, bottoms up. I think this might be the only on-screen pickleball of the episode. Is that possible? I think that's true. Mm. Well, I'm sure there'll be more in the season to come. Uh, up next, we have Sandra from Atlanta. You know what? I know for sure that it's Sandra and not Sandra. So I'm pretty yeah. sure she would pronounce it Atlanta. Uh <laughs> Uh, Sandra from Atlanta senses Gary is nervous and encourages him to join her in a meditative moment. And she closes her eyes and says something which is loudly bleeped and her (gasps) mouth is blurred. Gary starts to laugh and then he repeats it along with her. Any guesses on what she might have said? I think that she said her name uh, and then she said her address and credit card details. It feels like that's right. She's 75. She can say what the fuck she wants. That's true. Yeah. I agree. I it was also like fully I loved the build up because I yeah. was I was fully expecting like a namaste or something like that. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, they played it so well. Yeah. And I think it was just cuz I was trying to figure I was I was trying to figure out what if it was just like a if it was a series of expletives or she was doing like um fuck all this off or something like that. Right. I feel yeah, like yeah, totally. maybe it was just a repetitive fuck. Yeah, I it's so too. hard to say. I also pondered the possibility, because you see this quite a bit on American Bachelor in Paradise in particular, where they are, for comedy reasons, bleeping something that it does not actually need to be Ooh. bleeped, because it would be funnier. Like, they'll do a black bar over somebody's... I've seen the black bar. It's so ridiculous. Right, yeah. When it's like, you, they're evidently not actually naked, but it would be funnier mm. to imagine that they are, so they'll censor it or whatever. Which um, is what I'm definitely going to do as we edit this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my guess was maybe she called Sonia Kruger a b- <laughs> 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 Which is something Max had to believe. 
<laughs> a couple of episodes ago and made it sound like I said something worse. Really good stuff. Uh, uh, in her video package, which she also gets, Sandra says, I like some of those F words and S words that a lot of people don't. That's who I am. I just love this. This is wonderful stuff. Perfect. And then a doddery old lady hobbles out of the limo with grey frizzy hair and a pink nighty and a Zimmer frame. And as Gary asks if she needs help, she tosses the walker and her costume away to reveal she is the gorgeous Leslie, 64, from Minneapolis, fitness instructor to the stars, who also reveals... Oh, Max, go on. Oh, I was going to say, this is my favorite contestant. Yes. I don't think she's the winner, but I think this is my f- the star of the episode. Well, for me. she's she's a hottie, and and I think that I, I appreciate. I'm really intrigued by you, you finding her to be your favorite contestant because deeper on in the episode, like I think she has had so much fun through the episode. But going back to that authentic authenticity piece and trusting that. Um, Gary is, you know, uh, actually actually doing the job of The Bachelor and going the through these yes. women. And I think she is incredible, but I don't think that she's compatible with Gary. In no way. Mm. In no They're way is she compatible people. with Gary. Like, these yeah. people are so, so distinct, but she mm. is the one, like, mm. outside of the, the woman who looks like Kris Jenner, she's the unicorn. Where it's like she's a bit of a superstar. You kind of don't belong, and you are an incredible TV character who will belong on television for yeah. years to yes. come in some way. Like oh my I just God, think the Golden Bachelorette for yes. sure, for sure, yeah. And even Golden Bachelor in Paradise, you know, like it's it's incredible <gasps> to start thinking about. Um, I <laughs> she also reveals, and my fucking jaw hit the floor when she said this. She said that when she was younger, she dated Prince. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that Prince wrote the song Sexy Dancer about her. Oh, so now, great. Do you guys know the song Sexy Dancer? I, I oh, transcribed I some of the lyrics. I wasn't super familiar either. Um, so I got some of the lyrics and it's like, you know, it's Prince. So there's not heaps of lyrics and it's pretty horny. And it's like, Sexy Dancer, you got my body screaming. Sexy Dancer, you got me just a creaming. Sexy oh. Dancer, when you rub my body. Sexy Dancer, it gets me so hot, hot. Sexy Dancer, <laughs> in 44 years time. Sexy dancer, seven years after I die. Sexy dancer, I encourage you to go on a dating reality oh TV God, show stop. called The Golden Bachelor. <laughs> well, Sexy as Max dancer, said, the best, the best music is like less is more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to. I'm sorry, sorry. Continue. Oh babe. yeah, I just thought this last line when she says "sexy," da- where he says "sexy dancer." While I've got your attention, you should buy some stock in Apple computers. I mean, how did I mean? <laughs> He was so ahead of his time. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he knows. What a what a what a fun surprise to learn that about uh, about <laughs> Leslie. Uh, and after her video package, Leslie asks if Gary would like to dance, and he says, "Well, I'm no good at it, but I like to." And uh, so the two of them have a flirty little boogie together, which I thought was quite nice. Here's my question to you, Leash: Have you been in a bachelor situation where you have had to dance, and is there ever any music? Uh, I have not, but I have heard firsthand from Love Island contestants that ah. there is not music. 
I mean, I've I've made it very clear on the book tour that they don't get us as sourced as probably. Like, I think that's the first thing, that's the first, like, sort of trope that people pull out when they're like, producer manipulation. Mm. Like, we're not sure. that sourced. Well, I think people um, have an assumption that's based in fact, but it's out of date now. Yes. So we get about half a sentence each from Marina, Christina, Joan, Natasha, Peggy, and Kathy. Montage girls. Yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. Um, even I, who I try to be very generous with these recaps, I don't have a lot to say about these ones. Um, Pamela, who had those quadruple posts on Instagram. Uh, I loved her so much. Love Pamela. She, she tells, rest. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, tells Gary that he has to close his eyes and then she plants an unprompted kiss on his cheek. Oh, which like what's is, the background on the quadruple Instagram post? So we we went through everybody's Instagrams, and yes. she was the only one who really reinforced our like tragic assumption of what el- oh. older people on Instagram are like. <laughs> she had the she, same picture four the exact times. same oh, post no. four times in same direct caption. succession. Same caption, really good. Oh, no. and it happened more than once within a two week period. Yeah, I think it was within the last three weeks or so. Yeah, pretty pretty. I mean, you hate to see it. We love to see it. Well, we do. I mean, yes, unfortunately, we do love to see it. Let's put it that way. Um, You could argue maybe that this is the first kiss of the season, although it is a cheek kiss and Gary didn't exactly participate. I'm not inclined to give it to her. Nancy shows Gary her own hearing aid or ear candy, as she calls it, which I liked quite a lot. Um, Sort of connecting on that level, you know. Leslie narrates as the other women gather inside the mansion, saying, The women are amazing. Everybody looks really good. We're all breaking the stereotypical view of what a senior looks like or acts like. And I think we will see that continue to be true as the episode Mm -hmm. goes on. Mm. Teresa is up next and tells Gary, I have a birthday tonight. So I thought, why not come in my birthday suit? And Gary, like, tentatively says, like, oh, I think I know what's happening here or whatever. Uh, <laughs> more, on, Gary. more on Gary impressions later, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but he sort of tentatively asks her to proceed, and she strips off her wrap dress to reveal a nude camisole underneath. She yeah. laughs and says, well, I couldn't really do that. I've got six grandsons, which oh, is funny. Oh, very good. Good gear. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. sorry, I'm not thank you. You were complimenting me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you yeah, no, <laughs> you did do that, Zave. We're really well done for you. Uh, Lish, I want to ask you about, so you've been in this situation, as I understand it, one time, where uh-huh. you are the person who is being introduced to a group of men. It so happens that the group of men that you were being introduced to were the Clean Skins. Terrible names, still. <laughs> it strikes me that these were the men that you were introduced to just before you met your husband. No, no, no! Just after they taken me, they taken me into paradise. I'd hugged Glenn. I'd right. sat down with a margarita. Asked Jess Brody and Mary, like, who's with Glenn? And then Osha walked in and got me, and I had to go back out. So, this is interesting because, in the order of operations on the TV show, I listened to our podcast and I was like, (laughs) it happened in this way. But as it turns out, no, you met Glenn beforehand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to us about your experience as the prospective bachelorette for these three men. 
Yeah, like that, it, it was kind of ridiculous and I don't know how you do it. And I, I think I'm probably not the best personality to sort of um, be the touch point for how all Bachelor and Bachelorettes or people in oh, that no. position feel because I'm just like deeply insecure if you've read my book. Um, <laughs> and so like I went into it being like, oh, just, just in the same feelings of like, it's it's so weird to be like posited as this person who deserves to be held up on this pedestal. And even mm. actively when I met the clean skins, I found myself rather than positioning myself, maybe it would feel differently if you were all glammed up and you were on the red carpet and you like had a crazy gorgeous ball gown on and you've got all these nervous men one by one coming to meet you. Mm. Um, I, I think maybe you would feel more an element of power there, but I was like stopping rain Fiji <laughs> with an umbrella, and I just thought I was, I was, I was excited, but I just wasn't. It didn't have that um, ritual that the the Bachelor red carpet does. Sure, and and so and so, I guess what I did in that situation was rather than present myself as the ob object of my affections, I even, like, I think I say in the episode that I'm, like, a um, like a delegate to welcome them to Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You yeah, get yeah, positioned yeah. as the official political yes, welcome yes. party. What uh -huh. do they call it? That's, like, a... Um, like the concierge or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> there'll be someone who, like, I'm thinking about there's a political position that, like, looks after the... Great Barrier Reef. Oh, you're like the conduit to the Barrier Reef or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there literally is. Ask the Great Barrier Reef <laughs> if it's getting looked after. <laughs> so that is that is the um that is that's the official experience. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Teresa gets a video package too, shot in Shrewsbury, New Jersey, which I believe is just over from 10th Avenue Freeze Out, New Jersey. Max, did we do that joke last week? I can't remember. We did not do that joke last <laughs> okay, week. It was great. a good joke. Uh, where we learn that it's been about six years since her husband passed away. And as we cut back from the video, we see Teresa wrap her arms around Gary's neck and she pulls him very close to her and kisses him square on the lips. Now, there is no fanfare for this within the narrative of the show. This is not a moment that is like signposted heavily. This is kind of just like a thing that happens. But if we're going purely by the definition of lips touching, this is technically the first kiss of the season. Do, what do you guys think? Can we categorize this that way? It didn't look to me. I don't know if you guys even noticed it. It didn't look like he could. I did not. I didn't, didn't either. Right, and I yeah. think that doesn't she already get the first kiss of the the first proper kiss of the Ooh. season later? There is a first proper kiss of the season coming <gasps> up later, which I think is much more proper. And it's like I, I it didn't look like he could really have pulled away. It kind of reminded me of and I really don't like it's I don't want to fall back on this, but like it was a bit of a grandma kiss, like a bit of like a oh, yes. it's nice to see you kind yes. of like that uh -huh. kind of, you know? Yep. Um doesn't sound like my grandma. Anyway. My whatever. granddaughter says that I have reels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, our close personal friend, April Lynn Kirkwood, is next, mm. who walks out with a basket of eggs telling Gary, I grew up on a chicken farm and my eggs are still very fresh. That is funny. April gets a video package too, where she says she's lucky to have had three men really love her. And she's looking for someone playful who'll keep her on her toes. Um, big fan of April. I'll talk more about her later. 
Uh, Rene Halverston Wright, the former Chicago honey bear, performs a custom cheer for Gary. She goes, Golden Gary, you're my man, looking golden with that tan. Hope to bring you lots of luck, because I'm the girl you want to marry. I really loved this. That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> uh, fun. So, so we've got like a couple in a row of, you know, the eggs being fresh, mm-hmm. um, wanting to marry Jerry, mm-hmm. all these sort of like sexual innuendos. Yeah. But I am sure, Zave, that the best one is yet to come. Yeah. But I do actually, I want to say like, I really like the, uh, obviously th- we're talking about kind of joke versions of it here, yes. but the like sexual frankness and openness that we're already already seeing a bit of here like yes. that was one of my big questions about this show and obviously like how they will come to handle things like fantasy suites and stuff like that remains to be seen but like they're not hiding from it you know they yeah are, yeah they're not mm. afraid of like scaring off audiences by admitting that old people have sexuality and that kind of thing you know which i think is great maria does a little dance with gary anna pretends to run away with him susan just says Gary, I'm going to marry you before adding, by the way, do you see these heels? I'm very comfortable with six yes! inches. That one. That's that great. That's my favorite so line. Yeah. yeah. And like. <laughs> and also just the fact that it's like six inches. Like it's kind <laughs> of a bit of a yeah. neg. I feel like every. It's like, not outrageous, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, the teenage boys are like, I've got a nine inch dick. Like of take course. this. That yeah. was my. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we were not. No, but you're right. Like she doesn't yeah, exaggerate. Who could say, you know who was socializing like, at what time and how I long think, each other's dicks were. It's fine. I think six inches was quite like it's respectable. respectable. And yeah, it was still like quite nice. It was quite yeah. complimentary to Gary yep. and mm-hmm. and and actually like yeah, it wasn't. Check out my nine-inch dog, my <laughs> magnum condom. Yeah, yeah. She's not like she's not dropping D's nuts on him, right? Which I really, really like. <laughs> Obviously, it took me a while to get the joke because I didn't really understand what he was referring to. I'm sorry, what she was referring to because yeah. you know that just yeah. seems like. And then I remembered, like, Subway. Jeannie says her mother found love and got married at the age of seventy, so she knows it can happen. Love that. Aww. Patty James says, I want you to know that this could work because my son was the bachelor, Matt, and he found love. Pretty. I, I, going into the photos, sorry, Save. I, like, Patty was a real hard, like, a big pick for me. Yeah. Not even knowing that she was Matt James's mom. Right. I actually kind of just thought she had a bit of Riz as yeah. a yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been really surprised by the play out of Patty and in the context of Bachelor Nation, fucking actually so awesome. I think it's almost Crazy, a signal from the producers being like, they didn't connect as people. Um, she doesn't get the golden ticket. This yeah. ain't your grandmother's yeah. bachelor. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this isn't your grandmother's bachelor. It's funny. Uh, I, li- I think it's funny that she, th- this line, I think, plays right to the producers because I think what she's saying is like the bachelor is a good and a real way to find love and get into a relationship with somebody. Um, even though like to the real heads, it also kind of says like, remember that big, like racial insensitivity scandal yes, that yeah. like led to the host of the show for the first 20 years being fired. Um, you could have a little piece of that action too, Gary, you know, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about her leaving when she leaves, I guess, but it, it is very interesting. Um, 
Sylvia says, I hear that your celebrity crush is Penelope Cruz. Well, here I am. Thoughts on this? Sylvia, very beautiful. I don't see the resemblance myself. <laughs> is that? No, I'm not, I, I truly mean oh, I that I think, I think she's actually very beautiful, but I just like, I just watched a movie with Penelope Cruz in it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. If you, I know you know what that reads to me is I, I think it probably, what that says to me is that like, I feel like some of the producers first conversations about like pitching someone what they Mm. should do on the red carpet and I talk about my own experience in the book and like Mm. my producer suggesting to me that I should put a piece of duct tape over my mouth like Merlin from Big Brother because that's a political statement and I was in politics horrendous Mm. by the villain edit (laughs) Um, and I think sometimes like I remember that conversation and it was really like you got to do something on the red carpet. Yes. And all I wanted as a student of the show was to do like a, hey, how are you? And go inside because that's what I had seen winners do. It was never something weird. It was wifey music and Laura Byrne being like, hi, nice to meet you. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's just like love, falling in love, walk inside. And so I have a feeling that maybe what happened to poor Sylvia. Sylvia, <laughs> it was like, tell us, like, you know, you know, what do people say to you? Like, who who do people say that you look like a lot sure. of the time? Yeah. Oh, you should, you should, like, we'll put you in this beautiful dress. Let's, why don't you tell him that? Yeah, yeah. You should say that you're Penelope. Yeah, yeah. 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 My even more cynical interpretation is, like, she is a Latinx, she's like a non-white woman. And I feel like they were just like, yeah, you know, did you, did you know he has a crush on Penelope Cruz? So like go with that. And she's like, what do you, I, I guess, I guess, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, this is one of those things where the closest experiences that I have to this are from one side as a producer of radio and of television, where sometimes you need to, coax guests into doing the thing that you want them to do Mm -hmm. it's very very difficult because you want to convince them this that this thing is in their best interest and at the very least in the television formats that i've been a part of i believe that that has been true when i have suggested you should play this song first or you should do this in this way because it will have the most visual impact and it will keep people around yes. for the longest. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same time, the experience that I had recently when uh, the NFL flew me to Kansas City to talk about the NFL draft. So incredible, by the way. So silly. They flew <laughs> me over and they flew another guy over. And what had happened was that there was this like concierge liaison kind of guy who was trying to put us both up to talking as Australian as we could Mm. on stage in front of 350,000 people in Kansas City. And on the day that we had to give the, like, hey, our team has picked this person, the drinks were flowing and the Mm. suggestions were coming thick and fast, where Mm. it was like, oh, you should say, g'day, Kansas City, g'day, America. You should say, uh, shrimp on the barbie. You should, like, and I saw this man and I thought, I see one of my own and I know that this is not in my best interest. Hmm. The other sweet man 
who by that point had had six beers and was very nervous, got up on stage and said exactly the things that the producer said to mm. someone. Of course. Mm. And this goes yeah. to like everything that I've spoken about from my experience on the first season of The Bachelor. And this I think it. like as an older person, uh, sorry, as, as a golden person. <laughs> as a golden like, bachelorette, yes. Of course, yes. <laughs> as like it, it, you in that situation. And I mean, like obviously that other guy was more green than you. So sure. not even like, you know, you've got a level of media literacy. I think that in that first season of The Bachelor, I was I was very much the other guy who had been yeah. um, flown and was just like so grateful for the opportunity. Um, they they're like giving you drinks, like wow, drinks how beautiful! And, and, all and this is your of, favorite what an opportunity. Team. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yes. do whatever makes you happy. So we are then introduced to Chippy. Hands up, who knew? Who Chippy was before this? Sorry. Oh, Max, oh, you did. Did you actually? What's I know your relationship everyone with Jimmy? In Jimmy Kimmel's essential, like, entourage group of people. So actually, yeah. that's that's really helpful, Max, because I think it's like, as someone who was aware of Chippy, did this immediately come across as a gag to you? Straight away. Okay, because mm. I, I was like, like, this is sick. Oh, oh see, I was not... confused. Right. I was like, I was like, my excited. girlfriend last night was confused as well. They were like, who? My girlfriend was like, who's this? Mm. Um, so if you're not acquainted, J- Chippy is Jimmy Kimmel's 84 year old aunt, Conchetta Potenza. Um, mm. And she, she is introduced as if, like, the gag is she is introduced as if she is one of the Golden Bachelor's women, but she's not really because she's Chippy. Um, <laughs> she just wants to meet the Golden Bachelor, and she's right. got like this mafia, like mob boss, uh, accent. Right, and, yes, right. She's and, and, full uh, like, New York. I, I grappled with it because I was like, I was like, oh, I love her, but I, and she did obviously feel like an outlier. Like, she's, she's not wearing a beautiful ball women. gown. Yeah. She's wearing like pants and a top. You know, like it's like, and she's yeah. like, I think she says like, get the fuck out of here. Oh no, what does she say? She says something like. To her limo driver or something? I don't know. Oh, She's, I don't know. She has a couple of bits. She's like, are you the unluckiest guy in the world or what? And then also <laughs> asks, you must be lying about your age before heading into the mansion and saying, quote, this ain't no 80-year-old club, that's for sure. And then she's basically gone from the episode <laughs> until like a stinger right at the very end in the credits. Now She's Rodney Dangerfield and it's so good. Okay. I'm, I, so I sense that this is... Uh, working for Max, and um, I, I don't know if it really worked as much for me. Um, I this this feels to me like some obviously like just some ABC like cross promotion, and that's fine. Maybe sensing that Golden Bachelor was going to be a hit and have a lot of viewers, they couldn't resist the urge to like integrate some marketing for another show. But like to me, it, it felt like the worst part of the episode. I, it didn't really connect. I I have an idea of maybe what it felt like for Americans. Would it be like? And maybe this is going to sound really ham-fisted because obviously this person could be a part of the cast as well. But I like it would be like a gag of doing all the bachelorettes and then like having Magda Zabansky come in at the end sure. and be like, yeah, yeah. Hello, yeah. like in like Sharon Stone's like here being like, I'm so glad. Like that actually, to be fair, if you put Sharon Stone's like at the end of Honey Badger, would be incredible. That would be fucking yes. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would yeah. be great. The thing that's different is that 
all of Australia knows who Magda is. Who knows yes. pretty much? Yeah, we know who Sharon is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There is a smaller subsect of people who are engaged enough with Jimmy Kimmel mm. to know that Jimmy Kimmel has a cousin named Sal and uh, an aunt named Aunt who are on his various like do you know what i mean like all of the yeah, different yeah, platforms yeah. and machinations of jimmy kimmel i just didn't What's feel his like name? i've forgotten i just didn't feel like any of her jokes because like by all means do this if you know this is this is probably like a network decision or whatever and like yeah. i don't i don't hate the very idea of it i just don't think the execution was quite there i don't think any of her jokes super worked for me and I would also say that I think without it being gaggy and gaggy enough to the like Sharon Strezlecki like in her netball outfit, mm-hmm. like going crazy over Honey Badger. I'm obsessed with that, by the way. Like, <laughs> make her make her a producer. Um, because it, it didn't push it that far, I actually felt for me it undercut a lot of the key message of the episode, which is mm. like, um, Older people deserve to find love. Right. And this was my big takeaway is like, because it wasn't quite funny enough and because it wasn't, obviously she's not an actual contestant. It became confusing. And then like, I didn't know, like, are we meant to be laughing at Chippy? Because I'm not familiar with Chippy. And I'm like, you know, is the idea, like the joke is like, she's so inappropriate for the lead. She wouldn't be a good match. But like every other moment of the show is about uplifting them. Like you said, just like celebrating their personalities and their diversity. And it's like, um, you know, it's it's not she's not that much older than the other women or whatever. And like we're not really doing jokes about like older women within the context of this. That doesn't make yes. sense. She makes yeah. a couple of kind of crass jokes, but nothing as hardcore as Sandra's big bleep. Um I'm <laughs> left with like, is it that she's fat? I hope that's not the case. Like, um, it just felt like the bachelor couldn't quite go an entire episode without just like a little droplet of cruelty. Like I just yes. you know, with this Maybe we're not meant to laugh at her at all, and I was misreading it, but I just didn't quite get what the joke was, if not that. That's really true. I didn't find it cruel at all. I just found it, well, I have the contextual knowledge to be like, lol, what's Jimmy Kimmel's aunt doing there? Yeah. Mm, okay. Maybe if it was like, if it was like obviously a fictional character, you know what I mean? Like, yes, like yes. And what you're saying about Sharon that, Shazlecki, you're just like enunciating here. Yeah, yeah. Like anybody who was like obviously in costume, like playing a role, rather than being like somebody who is related to somebody else. Yes. If you have no yeah. further context, I mean, you know, yeah, probably this plays very differently in America or two. What's so. interesting, who's the most famous old character on ABC? Like Betty White or something. I mean, not For ABC, sure. but like yeah. If, yeah. You, if you had, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> Maybe that's it, is they wanted, but yeah. You know, if, if you have like a Betty White rock in where it is clear that like, and almost stretching the age gap to someone who is like yeah, sure. going yeah. to be like Gary's, Mum, or mm. could be much like the woman did when she was walking in on yes. her little stretcher. Yeah, but I think that that's also that's also part of it is like it's it's they wanted to have comic relief, which I get, but also like the mm. women are already ticking a lot of the boxes that they're looking for that they're getting from uh, from Aunt what's her name? Sorry, from Chippy. 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 Like we have somebody who is like crass and inappropriate. We have somebody who is like seemingly at least too old or whatever. So I just don't quite mm. get what part of the character. Anyway, look, we're we're sitting on this for too long. But um, as we move into Gary's speech to the women, um, can I just throw something out there that I actually Please. think? <laughs> and maybe this is I don't know how this is going to go, but I think that 
Gary kind of looks like Glenn. But Ooh, as yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. Okay. This is a I fun really, angle. Yeah. I really think that Gary, I was, I don't know, maybe I'm into 72-year-olds now, but I was just watching Gary this episode and I was like, he's doing something for me. <laughs> For sure. He's a hottie. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously yeah. they, they looked far and wide to find a 72-year-old who would be just perfect for this. And I think they literally did. Like oh, they've, they've really nailed They've it. really he nailed is it. Such a good bachelor. Um even even to the point where like um just 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 actually his tone and personality yeah. is perfect yeah. as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's just I think a lot of the time casting can really let us down. And I think you're so right, guys. They just nailed it. What so, I see as a comparable point between Gary and Glenn is that they both seem equally capable of holding space. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes, I agree. And I think that actually that is when we talk about like what makes it good casting, um, I, I think he is... And, you know, I mean, we're married now, so you hope that Glenn was there to seriously find love and a companion. And One would hope. And I, <laughs> and I think that um, I think that, that really, it, it goes with Gary. Like, I'm, I buy his story. Mm-hmm. He, and, and also I buy the depth of his story. Like, he loved his wife, but the fact of the matter is that he has you know, a whole nother chapter of his life to write. And and actually, that's my buzzer. Um, one mm. of my crying moments was sitting there thinking and so- sobbing, saying to Glenn, you can go on a reality TV show and find another wife <laughs> oh. if, if I die. Because I, so I, nice. I, think, I think that's also a sort of like conversation that is, we, we often like talk about people getting into relationships when their significant other passes away. And I Mm. think it is a really complex, beautiful representation to see on screen of someone um, loving their person, but also recognizing that they have life to live. And and that that, that is what I would say to Glenn as well. I would say if something absolutely unfortunate happened, touch wood, I would want, I, I wouldn't want him. I mean, grieve for an appropriate amount of time. Yeah, sure. yeah of course. <laughs> right. No one's going out here the next day. No, don't download Tinder at the funeral. Big blowout <laughs> no, no, funeral no, as well. That. You really want to do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Wedding you know? crashes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, we do want people to, you got to keep living. Yes, absolutely. And that is the spirit the spirit of this show, I think. Yeah. So finally we hear loud electric guitars and an engine loudly revving as oh. Faith rides down the driveway on a bitchin' motorcycle. She takes off her helmet and tosses out her hair and says being with her will be the ride of Gary's life. We get a video package from her as well. She's the one who's currently refer- recording her first original music. Uh, she's like been in cover bands for years and years. She's very cool. We also see her roller skating and lounging in the pool and drinking from a wine glass that has the word wine written on it. <laughs> Love that. Hell yeah. It's to help you remember. So that is everybody. And we see the women gathered inside briefly discussing their approval of Gary, but also moving pretty quickly onto how much they like each other. 
which is reinforced by an ITM from Jeannie, who says, These women are drop-dead gorgeous. They have wonderful personalities. They're smart. They're witty. But I'm ready to go. Let the games begin. And there's another bit like this later where the women are just telling each other they're beautiful and complimenting each other's outfits and hair and earrings and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this is so good. This feels like this will be a theme of this season going forward is just that sisterhood, you know? Leash, is this true of your experience? Um, this is one of the funniest, you know, reality TV versus the the TV representation. Um, in in real life, we were absolutely telling everyone that they looked absolutely incredible. I can even remember um, the I can remember the name of Rhiannon's. Um, one of, Rhiannon was one of the contestants on my season. Mm, mm. Um, I can remember the the name of her dress, not even the the designer. It was mm. called the Zavago because I was just like, she just looked so gorgeous and so elegant. We were all absolutely building each other up. And then you get into the ITM and the first thing that is asked is, what do you think of X, Y, Z? And the the implication being, like, let's talk about let's how talk the shit. Start shit talking. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And so I enjoyed it as well. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I might hold this. I might, I've got, I'm just going to spill the thought as well because it came. I, I, I went into a spiral of thinking about Patty and when you were talking about their oh, approval yuck. for Gary. Gary? Yeah. Um, and one thing I would really love to see, maybe it would happen on this season because surely it's not happening on Bachelor or Bachelorette, the main franchise. Mm. Um, I would love to see a really like adult conversation of Gary and one of his contestants where the contestant decides that they're not compatible right. and yeah. just says yeah, yeah, like, yeah. hey, Gary, like I think you're a really lovely person, but like I like clearly we're not romantically compatible. Right. I, I just like really want you to get down to your women. L- let's I'm going to get out of here. Even, you know, the, the messaging I, th- I think then would be also like, even though I am in my seventies or sixties or whatever, I am not going to settle for you just because this opportunity yes. has come up. Like, you know, there's a whole world of possibility out there for me. That kind of, you know, something that felt so heavy for me about this episode was this, rest of my life mm. phrasing that kept coming the up. The 20, for, for, 30 years. Oh, my God, the 20, that. 30 yeah, years. Yeah. Who are you going to be with for your next 20, 30 years? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Like, It is funny because in in American Bachelor, the rest of my life is such a bigger thing than it is in Australian Bachelor. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're talking about a period of what could be like 70 years or whatever. But <laughs> yes. here, it's a, it's a substantially, I mean, we have to assume anyway, it's a substantially smaller amount of time, but it still hits you. Like, you're still like, wow, that's yeah. still a big, you know. It's a shorter amount of time, but it's like, uh, for me, it's weighed down by the prospect of death. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we got through this episode and there were two deaths. Oh fuck! Like, wait, what? That's I know Roberta, up. but what do you mean? Who's all oh, the all the the wife in the beginning? Gary's yeah. wife, yeah, yeah, and we're Ellen's this. best friend, yeah. Oh, the specter of death I mean? does and, loom and over this actually, season. Actually, and actually, didn't um, uh, what did she? There was another one who had a husband who had passed away. There, are, yeah, there are a few in the cast. I can't remember yeah, how many come it, up within there. 
Excuse me? You can't not say There's that. absolutely Max. no chance that's somebody. What are you talking about? <laughs> you cannot say that. What? Come on. Cancelled nope. immediately. Nope. This is a call. This is a formal call out. <laughs> Jesse wishes Gary good luck and sends him in to the women. And Gary says back to him, bon chance, which I thought was very charming. That was nice. I'm just like, Gary is so charming, you know, like even when he's not really trying to. Um, mm. Inside, he's handed a drink of what looks like orange juice by Teresa, um, who I notice has now put on a sparkly silver gown. Um, I couldn't help wondering if it were like young people bachelor would have would she have been asked to rock the nude underwear all night? You know, yes, just as a bit no, of like, it's yeah. like the penguin suit until Rosemary. Yeah, like, my God, it's like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and particularly like if it's this revealing sort of like, oh, we'll have some eye candy in the first episode or whatever. This yes. is very Mike Fly sort of way of looking at it. Um, Gary has this killer speech here. Max, I know you've been working on your Gary impression, so I am just going to text the speech to you. I was wondering if you might be willing to uh, read this for us, please. Of course. So the way that I've been thinking about Gary is Kermit. Uh, Wait, no. So Ernie is like, rubber ducky, I am awfully fond of Mm -hmm. you. And then Kermit is more like... um, a little bit lower, like, um, one day we'll find it, the rainbow connect, right? Mm. And so Are then a little bit lower. This is so good. Gary is, yeah, Gary's so got... Gary is like, he's got a little bit more depth. The intonation's different. out front now, and it just occurred to me that this, that I'm way more nervous about this than any one wow. speech that I've ever given before. You've got touches th- of Kermit in there, but it's just, yeah. it's just, oh, it's just a sprinkle, just a sprinkle, Kermit, isn't it? Yeah. It's so hard to do. Um, I thought I had it nailed, and then I met all of you, and it's like that's all out the window. I mean, this room there is beauty, there is poise, and intellect. I'm gonna read it before I say it. This is the problem that I've had. Um, oh, yeah, great. And also, you really inspired me. Also, Xavier is the best host of the Bachelor of Arts podcast. So I'd like to propose a toast to all of you. I was when wondering you get if, into the Kermit, it's, it's too much. It's too much. I've really got, like, I've had a day to think about how I'm going to do this, mm. and I... Mm, it's just a little bit more. It's not quite Thomas Malucelli. You know what I mean? Like that's ingrained oh within me. Well, Malucelli is a whole face. That. It's a whole face change. It's like a, I've got to do the whole like the. Oh grin, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The... This is just sort of like high to medium to low mm. with a little bit of chest. Leash. We've been trading voice memos back and forth. For the last I love hours. it, and I also. My I mean, says that I have ribs. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. My it's granddaughter not says that I have riz. <laughs> also good. Yeah. Um, Do you, Alicia? I don't, you don't I have to if you don't want fabulous. to. If you have got I'm, an impression you'd like to try out of oh, Gary. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. But I, I do propose that through the season you uh, do a passage from Gary each episode oh, we can to trace see if the... you nail it more mm, and you right. like lose some of the Kermit mm. um, oh. and 
to take it back to his speech, um, I really loved when he said intellect. That really, like, oh. stuck mm. out at me. The word that got me was poise. Mm. Yes. I'm hitting just, my buzzer. Really this was lovely. this was my first like cry moment Ooh. where he's like, oh, you have to do a buzzer sound. I will. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah. The way that hees like, do the buzzer sound. <laughs> oh, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way that he's like, he thought he was prepared, and then he met all of them, and it's all out the window. I think that was like because you obviously this is a this is a thing that he would have been preparing for for months and months, but you sense that like as much as that is paying off. This was also something that took him by surprise as well, you know? Mm. Um, I thought that was really nice. So April is the first to pull the Golden Bachelor, and she shows him a prop that she has brought, a calendar where every month is April, and each picture points to another part of her personality. They're, like, photoshopped. This is, like... this. I frankly think this is one of the best props I've ever seen for night one. Um, obviously like her name is the thing that really clinches it. Like having the name April kind of gives you a shortcut here, but I was really impressed by this. I thought it was very funny and also like a good quick way to get to know some things about her. I was particularly impressed also that she didn't blow this on the limo exit because she already did the eggs thing, which was also really good. The exit. Yep. Her exit. Wow. Yeah. Really good. I just think like that is, that's such good planning. Um, Alicia, if I remember from the book, you went back and forth on your limo exit gimmick a little bit, and then you didn't realize that they had actually given you 10 minutes to fill. Yes, it can was you, awful. Can you take us back to that moment? Um, like any of the planning that went into it or, or the so moment So I itself? really, oh gosh, so I've been putting out <laughs> You don't these. have to. <laughs> I've, got, I've got two quick things. The, 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 the meeting was horrendous, basically. And when they said I had 10 minutes, I was just like, I wanted to do the quick, hi, hello, like, how are you feeling? Mm. Wifey music, we're in love, and I walk inside. Yeah, yeah. And he's got so, a moustache and curly hair. You think that's really cool. And yes. he says, g'day, blah, blah. And you go, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so I, I scripted it and I, I wrote that in the book because I was so nervous. And um, I still have that diary and I have the script and it is... Literally, you know those, um, you know, when people are trying to, um, like, I, it takes me back to, like, people on Neopets trying to, like, cybersex each other and they do oh, asterisks yeah. and they're like, this yeah. is there. <laughs> yeah. I had, like, asterisks being, like, touches. Um, oh, wow. So yeah. That, Hell that's yeah. All, that's all written out. Um, that will be soon shared on Instagram for everyone to enjoy. Oh, incredible. Um, the second thing I, I think I have, like, I think it's really lovely, Zave, that you liked April's prop. Um, I have just a complete aversion to props and gimmicks because of my studious nature of feeling like the winners never do anything. Oh, well, never, sure. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, but actually one of my, my good novelties that didn't make it to TV and was actually so fun and I... It was one of the moments that I actually probably connected with him the most. It was it, it was freaking good. I should have thought about it for the red carpet. Um, in probably my penultimate episode, mm. 
um, they producers helped me source a barbecue and we did like oh, yeah, a okay. election sausage sizzle. Oh, that's and fun. I like talked about I talked to him about oh democracy sausage uh-huh. and I talked yeah, yeah. to him about working in politics and we cooked the sausages together and then yeah, like all the girls really got nice. to have a sausage. Oh, that's that was fun. really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but beautiful. yes, no, um, I, I struggle with April's calendar for that um, triggered state. But mm, sure. I wonder if because April is is taking a bit of a wacky role. And, I, you know, like, yes. I, I wonder if this, that's almost part of that strategy of like, look, you know, I may not go all of the way, but maybe this is a way that I can um, become memorable or have fun while I'm doing this or whatever, you know. The, yes. And this is another thing that Glenn and I discussed in the first episode we talked about this like um jester trope and the doop dee doo music mm-hmm. and i actually felt that that was a difference as well mm-hmm. i feel like in the main franchise we're much more inclined to when they do the jester music um and they did apply it slightly to some of the women uh-huh. but it didn't feel as it felt like um, this is a quirky person and that's their personality yeah. rather than like you, you, audience, this is the one that you should all get into the group chat and be like, what, what like, a weirdo. I can't believe that right. freak in as this. Right. Yeah. I think we're recognizing that April has a sense of humor and is, um, you know, a bit of an oddball or is having fun with her experience here in a way that, you know, n- that not everybody is. Um, rather than just being like, you know, this is an object of our scorn or mockery yes, or whatever. Yes, yeah. 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 So Ellen has some solo time with Gary and her friend Roberta is still clearly on her mind, but she echoes some advice that Roberta gave her um, and uh, passes that along to Gary saying, I don't know, sorry, I didn't know I could do this, but never say never. Everyone's entitled to love and be loved. That's my father. Pretty beautiful. And then Gary tells her, you have my attention. I am listening. And Ellen ITMs, I almost hit the moon. This is the best day of my life in so long. I was also crying at this point. Beep. Uh, Because I think Gary is such a good, like, active listener. And the thing that really struck me is his respect for the women's time and the energy that they have put into being there the fact that this is a big life-changing moment for all of them, even if yes. even if they only last one night or whatever, like this is a big life event, and uh, and he seems to really understand that. Along with obviously like a, an elevated level of respect from the producers and editors and stuff like that that goes along with it. What it made me reflect on is like, imagine if we had the wherewithal as television producers shall we say to cast a man with this amount of time for women and this level of curiousness respect what is it Mm. as uh as gary has because i'm sure that men who are 32 also have this you know what i mean like i'm sure that these people exist well, it's also remarkable that, like, in an episode that goes by so quickly, it's an hour with ads, it's, like, 40 minutes without, maybe 45. Yeah. Like, everything is moving so quickly. As we mentioned at the top, the pacing is so rushed. But we still get a sense that Gary himself is so patient 
and is just willing to like let the women take as long as they need and you know occupy that space like it's so beautiful I've just understood a uh dm that showed up on my phone so xavier you run the bachelor of hearts instagram account largely and i get all of the messages that show up as like notifications on my phone and there was one where i was like what is going on here why is this showing up the way that it's showing up? Is that and the dick pills thing? Because that's I meant to get that on my personal page. <laughs> it wasn't the dick pills one, but it was related. Let me find it. <laughs> was it? So this was a message from Alicia <laughs> Aiken Radburn. Uh, and it said, we had to close so many ads for sex in our oh, era. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny because, okay, this actually opens an important topic, which will be relevant when we eventually share this three-hour podcast. (laughs) Um, It's, um, I I obviously posted that Glenn and I had watched The Golden Bachelor and just because of the reach, I got a lot of DMs asking me how we were watching it. Where'd you get it? I have like, I I guess I just, I don't know if it's those ads that are like, you wouldn't steal a car. (laughs) 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 But I'm like, I I do feel a little bit reticent to just like put on my 131,000 followers, like here's the link to Bachelor Archive. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I feel weird about it, but every person that DM'd me asking where they could see it, I messaged them saying, like, hey, look, this is where you where I've been watching it. Um, and I just, like, pr- basically proceed with caution. Right. You, you will have, like, it's a notoriously, like, it's a buggy <laughs> yeah. ad field. You have to, like, it took me and Glenn, like, so many tries. Such a long yes. time. Me They're too. hosting like, those right. video files on whatever website that, that'll have them. And, yeah, yeah. And then it's, like... Um, Olenka wants to chat with you right now. And then and then when we close the ad, when we close the video at the end, it was like this um live cam thing of like oh, a, wow, yeah. a woman. Uh-huh. And we were yeah. like, oh <laughs> There is a really nice moment where Natasha, the midlife coach, does an introduction laughter with Gary, where she goes, I am Natasha. I this was funny. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it as well. It was fun. Thought about doing that right at the start of our episode, and then I thought, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Too scary. Um, and uh, Sandra, I'm sorry, Sandra um, from Atlanta gets the rare bug freak out that actually makes it into the show, not just in the like patented after the final rose blooper reel. I had one. Oh, oh did you? Actually, oh, you did. I, it was a it was the short on in paradise. So you're oh, right. It was okay. paradise, and yeah. it was a like moth or something. And I did like a uh, 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 oh that rules. ITM that's in the interview chair. That's iconic. Yeah, it was yeah. good. That's part of the experience. That's canon you know? now. Have yeah, you really been I'm on really... a Bachelor show if you didn't get freaked out by a bug? I've had it all. Like we've got, I've said through the book tour, like I've had every element of the franchise. Like we've, mm. we've won the game. We've like been the villain. We've been redeemed. We've yeah. been rejected. Yeah, yeah. We've had the bug freak out. Yeah. We've appeared on the world's longest That's running, nicest, <laughs> friendliest podcast. Well, I mean, and in a, in a sense, you defeated the company podcast. They did not proceed. They got because- scared. They got scared. I knew it. Uh, it's very kind of you to say, Alicia. I'm sure it was just like they decided not to spend money on it. It's hard to say who can spend money on what and who has free time to spend in which enterprise. 
Yeah, yeah. And we are obviously really busy doing other cool stuff too, but, you know, we so squeeze this in. enterprising. We squeeze in our... that trombone chat. We squeeze in our three-hour bachelor podcast yep. every week. Yep. Heaps uh, of free time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In our off-season. Uh, potential vaccine skeptic Marina tells Gary, my daughter, t- my daughter said to tell you that you're dope. And Gary replies, let's all say it together. <laughs> My granddaughter My told me I had riz. <laughs> Holy shit. One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my fucking life. Uh, Why is she so vaccine skeptic? Oh, this is... Oh, in oh our- Instagram digging. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh no. That, uh, she did not strike me that way. So Us either. Uh, us wow. either. It's the only reason we, p- we brought it up. And look, it was like one post. So, you know, who knows, but... Um, it, it was a post about how she wouldn't dare let her children get vaccinated. Aww. So we'll just, yeah. you know, yeah, it was put that out there to the about, world. Yeah, people line, we're investigative journalists lining up yeah. like sheep. I believe was part of it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Goldsmith, yeah. how sheep traditionally line up? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> sheep can't help themselves but get in a straight line. That's right. They they simply love it. Susan and Gary bond over loving the song At Last by Etta James. Aww. Love it. Beautiful, Beautiful song. Insight and into both of them. Cry. Oh, did you cry there? That got me. Wow. wow. Oh, I boy. think that that is do just the most beautiful song. Oh, like, you that is the song. Oh, yours is a bug that scares me. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. And that song just, that works for me. And it's mm. lovely that they like the same mm. song that I like. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which says more about me than it does about them. Maybe. Well, then Faith produces a beautiful acoustic Gretsch White Falcon and plays a song while looking into Gary's eyes. See you sitting here in the night. Be the man of my dreams if I'm right. And it's really nice. And he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't break. Are up. you serious? Oh, Max, oh, likes, Max likes music. Oh. I don't know. You okay, do so, work. Did, so, so this didn't work because they didn't break eye contact. The song is awful, and I want to be clear about that. The intention is really beautiful. Neither of them could look away from each other. The that eye was contact the thing that like the eye contact was incredible. It like in it, you know between this and the uh, Wes Anderson Roll Dahl shorts that premiered on Fuck Netflix off. this week, there's just like an all out war on blinking at the moment, which I'm really oh excited God. about. Um, Although, actually, now that I think about it, Blink-182 did just get back together. So, maybe it's just, like, the universe finding its balance, you know? I have I have an audio, I have an audio um, show and tell. Oh, which yeah, yeah. explains oh, yes. my aversion. I don't know how this is going to go. You and me, Rackin' <laughs> Sophie, growing all oh together, we will see. Oh, my God. Is this Mac? Oh, wow. We... Nice. Nice, nice. Sophie Mugrath. Oh, my gosh. I know that you know that this is a running joke on this show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I did not. I did not. We've loved Mac's You and Me song since the me. day it aired. Yeah, so I can't, I can't do the guitar. It is one of the most fun things... <laughs> The uh, the Mac song and the Jamie Doran speech. Oh, uh, the Star Wars. The um, I had feelings for Ellen. You know the one. Yeah. Is it the rose ceremony moment? I would rather piss myself. Oh. <laughs> the paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So defining moments oh, of the franchise. Faith, Faith singles out this reciprocal eye contact and Gary's naturally calm demeanor in her ITM. And I agree, like the song, sure, whatever, but like that that attention that like doesn't matter it's the attention that matters yeah. is, is really beautiful we then get our second licensed song of the episode it is paul russell's lil boo thing which plays as gary dances with wild abandon Ooh, along with leslie that's right um obviously not playing in the room i imagine um mm. so gary and leslie are dancing they're having a great time and then we see edith and kathy join in and i love this it is not a big deal that they are like butting in or like crossing some invisible boundary or like we're trying to have our private moment here before long. The rest of the women are all streaming in. They're all dancing together. It's Mm. beautiful. It's a nice enough moment to make you forget that there's (laughs) definitely no music playing. Um, Thought this was good. Thought there were some surprisingly good moves here as well. It's just another like boundary being broken down of like, you know, who says these old white folks ain't got no rhythm. Yeah, and that's the moral of the story, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I say that as a young, youngish, well, a kind of, kind of youngish white folk. I don't know. Who um, ain't got no rhythm? Mm, right just, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse enters with the first impression rose on a platter, reminding the women that it is in fact a competition. And so, if they have any last-minute prop comedy they would like to do for Gary, <laughs> now is the time. So Jeannie produces a golden lamp and says that she will grant him a wish, um, although we don't see what it is. And then Teresa reveals that her daughter has written something for her that she wants to share with Gary. And so she starts reading it out and it goes, Dear Mom, I had feelings for Eleanor that I've actually never felt for anyone in my life. She gave me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I'd be talking to her and I would be busting to go to the toilet. And I would rather piss my pants and sit there and talk to her than go to the toilet. And I would just hang on and hang on and hang on because I just didn't want to leave her. I was about to do a buzzer when you said (laughs) Jim Bob. Well, I was right there. Yeah. Um, Gary says he's got something for Teresa as well. And he produces a birthday cupcake with golden yes. candles marking her 70th birthday. And he asks her, if I were to take a bite of it and get icing all over my oh, mouth, would, really would you help clean it up? Which I think I is I love cute. it because this is a move that I've pulled twice in the franchise. Oh, Yeah. The first being um, Jules with mm-hmm. chocolate on his face. Yes, yeah. yes. And being like, I will get that for you and then going for the kiss. Mm-hmm. And then the second being um, Glenn and I doing like sunscreen wars. Yeah. No, it wasn't sunscreen. It was body you lotion. Were, you were getting yeah, lotion wars. And we were doing like <laughs> hands on the face. And this is outlined in vivid actually, detail in the book, and I really like that. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used, I actually, like, I'm glad no one picked it up because I do this literal exact same move that I did with <laughs> Jules onto Glenn, mm. but I had provided. And so, what I really appreciated about Gary in this moment was it is quite. It's like a feature of the shows to feel quite nervous about whether the other person, like it's amplified, right? We feel nervous Mm -hmm. going in for a kiss on a first date. 
imagine when that moment's going to be played back for the whole nation. Right. And so to, for, for Jerry to spell it out so He's offering it up. Specifically, it's like, he, he, here we go. Like, I, I'm really sending the heaviest signals yeah. that we should kiss. He's saying, like, you are about to be the first recipient of a kiss yes. on The Golden Bachelor in history. Big moment, big deal. Max, uh, you texted me whilst you were watching the show. I have to assume it yep. was around this point. You sent me a text message which said, and I quote, I didn't realize there would be old person kissing, (laughs) five exclamation marks. Yeah, Max, we've been talking about covering this show since at least May of this year. Could you please tell me to the best of your recollection what you thought was going to be happening on The Golden Bachelor? Well, so my impression of what was going to be was going to be happening was that it was going to be old person kissing, but they might have like blurted out or that it might have, like, <laughs> come on. You know, like it was just it was it was quite graphic. Is all I'm saying. God, what do you expect do you that mean? like Jerry's gonna open a little metal container that contains some tubes and offers the woman a tube? <laughs> no, I thought that he was going to open a little metal container that contained his dentures and that he was going to pull them out. And that he was going to then offer them to her and she was going to pull her little metal container out and they would smush their containers together. And that would be what would happen on the TV show. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Max doesn't want to give a real answer. What did you think of the kissing, Max? Well, so I just thought it was... Look... This is a proper makeout, by the way. This is, like, no debate about it. Actual kiss, like a bachelor kiss, you know? I was so happy for them. I just didn't want to watch it. Oh. Oh, my God. Max, this is crazy. That is some hardcore ageism. I think so, too. Apply that same Definitely it is. I have no doubt. Put that I was on, like, like, Brooke and Holly in Brooke's Bachelorette. Mm. Like, I, I'm really happy for them. I just don't want to watch it. <laughs> Literally. Like, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is so nice. I'm so happy for this. Also, just don't do it in my backyard. Little tongues. We're like deconstructing big, ageism here at Bachelor Big Tongues. Apart. You know what I mean? Like big this big tongue. tongue. Like there's this big tongue situation happening that I'm. But mm, the tongues had grown substantially larger than their 20 to 30 I, year old counterparts. That my dad is 72. You know? I don't want to think You don't about think my your dad, dad should be allowed that. to kiss anyone ever again for the rest of his life? Well, he's married to my mum and I, they've had sex I twice, as I recall, me and my sister. <laughs> That's all that I think about. Do you think now. Gary is like your dad? Have you had a lot of Gary dad thoughts? Ooh. I've had Gary dad thoughts in the sense that, like, he is an old fit man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he invented swimming. He is nice <laughs> really? and kind. Gary invented swimming and so did my dad. That's right. Uh, then they're both from Ballin in New South Wales and they both love the big prawn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the the comparisons do in fact line up, and they maybe don't it's, stop. Maybe it's fair for you to think that his tongue is too big <laughs> for him to be able to kiss anyone. Everyone's doing big tongue. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's the second time the puppers tongue. come out. I was just thinking, <laughs> chat. we're fucking burning through that puffer. <laughs> Uh, Gary retrieves the first impression rose and walks past the rest of the women to find Faith. And he sits her down and explains, 
I want you to know that you made this impression not because you so rode in on a motorcycle. Ding. Not Buzz. even from oh. from the show or from me doing the voice really well. <laughs> Crying. Not, no, not he even was using his big tongue when he was doing this. Not even because you have a beautiful voice and you sang a song to me, but because mm. of what you're doing right now, you're making me feel very special. That line, I think, maybe got me. Yeah, I loved it. It was so lovely. Gary has this, like, almost supernatural quality of warmth that... Yes! No matter what, like, cynicism or doubt or whatever that you're coming in with, I do think that it it really has trouble standing up to that quality in him. And particularly in a moment like this where he's just, like, explaining himself really well and saying something that you're like, fuck, I can't disagree, you know? Yeah. Mm. Gary and Faith kiss... The other women are disappointed, but I, I, I note that they are disappointed and not like angry in the way that often when a first impression rose is yes. handed out, everyone's like, I can't believe Faith got the first impression rose, even though I've been here this whole time and I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to, you know, like whatever it is. Uh, uh, you know, even though this is like a sad moment in a show that has mostly been pretty happy and uplifting, uh, that that difference was was really notable. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that, it is time for the rose ceremony. Um, I noticed that the rose ceremony is being held in what looks like a different room of the Bachelor and Mansion. And it's daytime. Yes, it's the morning. I love it. I yeah. was often I was speculating when they were doing the cocktail party about whether they did that in two nights, like is usually done, right? Um, to sort of make it, I guess easier on the women like yeah even i i what i could imagine them doing is perhaps like doing the entrances doing gary's first speech and a couple of chats Mm -hmm. and then calling Mm. it doing the next night is there less women than a traditional season of Bachelor? There are less women than Bachelor. It's probably about on par with Bachelorette, if I remember right. Okay. Like, there's 22. So, like, 20, 22. Okay. Yeah. Mine was yeah. 28. Mm. Um, yeah, on, on Bachelor US, it's usually, like, 30. Occasionally, wow. they've done 35, yeah. even. All right. Which is crazy, yeah. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Uh, 35 is so old. At first, I was like, <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> come on, Max. You fucking Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Jesse Palmer comes out to do the traditional like hand on the small of Gary's back. And he says, ladies, it's the final rose this morning. And because at first I was like, oh, did he just like misspeak? Like, did he forget? Did Jesse forget to lie about it? Because I know from this great book that I read recently that sometimes the rose ceremony will just like stretch on and on and on for hours and hours. And maybe it is the next morning and he's just like. You know, it's like 2 a.m. or something, and he's being. Oh, no, I looked out the window. But yeah, you can see that. There's some sun streaming. It's daylight. So, like, is this this to, like, make it easier on them? A bit bit hard to say. I would hope so, I guess, you know? Definitely. I hope so. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like, they're in their 70s, you know? Let's let's have a good night's sleep, you know? Mm hmm. Um, And so Gary hands out the roses in this order Ellen, Teresa, Joan, Natasha, Leslie, Christina, Edith, Nancy, April, Sandra, Jeannie, Kathy, Marina, Peggy, and finally Susan. So we are left to say farewell to, honestly, some people, I think we mentioned this before, some people we were not expecting to lose so soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in fact, Gary even starts to tear up as he bids farewell to his night one 
evictees, something I also don't remember really seeing before. Usually, like, night one, and particularly in, in America, where it's like, we're culling, like, up to 10 people here. We don't really have yeah. to spare a thought about them. It, in fact, makes things flow better if we don't feel too bad at this point, because there are just so many yes. people going home disappointed that, like, it would be a huge bummer, really. Um, if you thought too deeply about it. If had to think it. about them, yes. Yeah. Where, whereas I think it worked the opposite way. I was I was almost half expecting, like, Gary to break that moment where the women hug each other and, like, go over. And I, I would like to see that be broken mm. at one, mm. one time and not do the, like, because how it works when you're there is, like, um, you say goodbye to the girls and then you're, like, re repoed to do cues to go and say goodbye to Honey Badger. So they'll like the position you all again and then be like, Alicia. Mm. And then you go up and right. you say, see ya. Yeah, yeah. You say bye, Honey Badger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do a big fart noise and the thumbs down. <laughs> uh, you catch some sort of sheep. You say, see ya. Yeah. So there was Maria, who was on screen for about 10 seconds. She wore sunglasses. She asked Gary if he liked to dance. Hard to say exactly what went wrong, what went wrong there. Um, uh, that's hard to say. There was Pamela, whose quadruple posts on Instagram we really liked, but no, didn't really register in the episode, unfortunately. Uh, there was Sylvia, who may or may not have been Penelope Cruz in disguise. Um, and who also really enjoyed that one Michael Pena movie on Amazon Plus or whatever. Um, is it called Amazon Plus? I can't. No, Prime. Whatever. Prime. They, they, they don't give us money. Um, but then we also lost Renee Halverson Wright, the ex cheerleader and friend of Sweet Nums. Um, oh, the cheerleader was Sweet Nums' friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, so, I missed that detail. Yeah, yeah. They, I'd, I'd seen it in some group, like fan group. Well, it was Game of Roses, let's be honest. Sure, yes. Um, where someone pointed out that they were mates, but I didn't realize. They were, in fact, cheerleaders for the same team at the same wow. time. Like, you know, they have that in common, I think, so... Um, so you've got two legacy players right, who yeah. have both been a limbed yeah. first night. Pretty Very wild. Night. I would have thought being friends with Sweet Nums would kind of skyrocket you right to the top, but apparently it doesn't mean fucking anything these days. <laughs> uh, I do, And on that, I wonder if she came out and told Gary, like, straight out of the limo, hey, dude, just so you know, I got Sweet Nums on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> and I could imagine Gary being like, Oh, I was gonna do Kermit voice. But do I'm it! Come scared. on, like, we've come so far. I don't know who <laughs> Sweet Nums is. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah! That was incredible. <laughs> I can't say that I know Sweet Nums. <laughs> That's how he would approach it. He would be like, I think so. "Thanks for sharing this information right. with me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you have shared this with us. <laughs> who is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sweet Nums. Is a person that I've only recently become familiar with mm. as a color commentator. You should watch the Pilot Pete season, Max. I think you would enjoy. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, because it, like, that, if I'm gonna talk, I, I'm gonna. We, we're doing the. This was the golden age of the Bachelor. Like it was better back in the day. Mm, the golden for Bachelor me, age. Yes. For me. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, it was the best time. F- for me, of The Bachelor of recent mm. years, of the modern era, mm. was Hannah Brown and Pilot Pete. Mm. And, like, I fucked him three times in a 
we know. Incredible stuff. Truly yeah. incredible oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that the I last season that, uh, what's his name? I to know more about what that means. Oh, my gosh, Max. Oh, Max, yeah, you don't even know. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. Oh, no. See, my job in this program is to stay as out of touch as I can stay yes. and then just watch it and go, what does that mean? So, so that's the reason why Xavier was having the, like, full data collection conversation <laughs> with Glenn. <laughs> Definitely that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. did Glenn what tell you about conversation that? conversation with Glenn. He did. Uh, that, he did. Yeah, I don't understand what that means. Yeah. Uh, and I was happily conversing with people who were at the event who simply liked you. <laughs> Glenn just got home, by the way. Oh, hi. My sweet friend. I think he was probably quite shocked that it is it's now still going. <laughs> two hours, 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Finally, we say goodbye to Patty James, mother of Matt James, who simply mothered a little close to the sun. Uh, maybe Gary didn't like the possibility that she was already a little bit friendly with the producers. I don't know. I thought I did think it was kind of a boss move that he tossed her out, though. <laughs> Much as we like TJ. Toss. The boss does of PJ. There is a really nice moment where the 16 remaining women collectively through the mouthpiece of sexy dancer Leslie tell Gary, you are amazing. It's the consensus. You are amazing. You made us feel really special and we're really happy you're here. And as they all cheers and toast with their champagne glasses to the heavens, the opening strains of Journeys Don't Stop Believing start to play. And it's not oh. a cover. It's not the Glee version. It's another, like, real expensive licensed pop song. I mean, I would have taken the Glee version. Oh, for sure. Look, oh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't throw it out of bed, of course. Um, we see some highlights of the season ahead. Someone says they're falling in love with Gary, and he narrates, The last time that someone... I can't do the voice. <laughs> this is good. Keep going. <laughs> the, the last this. time that someone said these things to me was my wife of 43 years. <laughs> I, I never thought I'd see it again, and I'm seeing it and feeling it with more than one person. And then, of course... Supercut of heartbreak (laughs) and tears and Gary saying, the only time I've ever felt worse was when my wife passed away. And this is a goddamn close second. So ups and downs, something for everybody. Very heartbreaking. And then Mm. in a a mid-credits stinger, we see Jimmy Kimmel's Aunt Chippy asleep on the couch. (laughs) And Jessie comes in and tells her she has missed the rose ceremony and didn't get a rose. Um, the one line that she had all episode that really worked for me was, uh, did I at least get a petal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Loved was that. pretty yeah. good. And then at the very end, after the credits, we see very tragically, and I don't know why I've like held onto this as if it's like some fun twist <laughs> Thank or you for whatever. holding on to it's mm. appropriate. Uh, this season is dedicated in loving memory to Roberta Zaxa, 1952 to 2023 with an image mm. of her smiling next to her friend, Ellen. Not it was. A happy that was moment. probably the biggest merp and buzzer Buzz. yeah, absolutely, for yes. me of the episode. I think it's just like, and I think it was, it actually had this level of depth that, you know, it, it, it's clearly not an orchestrated, contrived thing no, of right. the series. Yeah. This and, must have and, happened pretty recently, I, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one, I think it was beautiful for production to extend that to Ellen and her friend. Mm. But also I think it served to remind us of the sort of gravity of 
the show yeah. in mm-hmm. that these are, you know, Gary and these women are older and have lived life mm. and and thus have much more depth of life experience, which includes the more difficult facets of life, mm. like losing your best friend who encouraged you to put yourself out there. It's actually like I'm almost tearing up thinking about it now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it underscores that idea that all of these women are bravely putting themselves out in ways that they've possibly, like, they're leaving their comfort zone for possibly, impossibly one of the craziest ways that they've done in their lives. For sure, yeah. In their 60s and 70s because they want to find companionship and... And that's what Ellen had with Roberta. <laughs> yeah. Like, genuinely, it's, it was just beautiful. It was really moving. And it was not overplayed. It was not, like, yes. grossly sort of overwrought or whatever. Um, obviously, like, a decision was made to probably include the Roberta stuff earlier in the episode so that it would mm. have more weight at the end, but not in a way that felt exploitative or anything. It was, like, Definitely a, a meaningful story arc. And also means that we now have a really strong emotional connection to Ellen, who, you know, will be interested to learn more about her in the weeks to come as well. Yeah. Um, Leash, what would you like to see from the rest of this season? If you had to, you know, like... Um, I'd like to see real drama. And when I say real, when I say real drama, it's... Um, and, you, you know, I, I, I just go... It's not because I'm like... Um, thirsty for drama <laughs> i just i i do expect that in a, a a long series there will be sort of peaks and troughs sure. and i i i'm re- i'm really hoping that the producers treatment of that drama and of any villainy and, and stuff like that that it actually relates to the, the story mm. i remember it was sitting within our own mansion and we're sort of like I want the drama to come from the fact that these women are actually genuinely invested in. Yeah. Cause it's such a good opportunity for that. Like the, the yeah. stakes have been set. Um, yes. you really understand what's on the line and anything that comes up as a result of that will be like organically very interesting. So yes. they just need to find the right way to share that, you know, to bring that out and, you know, Correct. And then other than that, I just want them to keep doing what they're doing because I'm really left with this. Um, This is the best of the franchise and the best of reality TV where we recognise that actually these women and Gary are doing a really brave thing. Mm. And, um, yes, everyone has a negative thing to say about reality TV and reality TV contestants, but... The fact of the matter is that they're they're putting themselves out there, mm. and it's even it's. I think it's awesome when people are in their twenties and thirties. It's triply, quadruply awesome when you're watching an older group of people do it. Fuck yeah, totally. Yeah, my hope for this season is that um, no more kissing. Much obviously. in the same vein. I'm, as, I'm like, guessing no more kissing. <laughs> yeah, like and much in the same vein as what you were saying, Leash. Like. I hope that someone calls Gary a dog cunt. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is perfection. And now I've got to think of, like, all the other things that have happened okay. in Australian Bachelor question, history. Question for the culture. 
would it be funny if someone on this season of The Golden Bachelor did the piss speech? Or would it be kind of a little bit like, <laughs> oh, no, we are talking about, like, older people's sort of bladder incontinence, oh, sort of, like, problem. You know, these issues do real. plague people. I'm not even really joking. <laughs> <laughs> it feels different. Well, listeners, <laughs> look, we've had a lovely time sharing things with you here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. And this is a thought that we are going to leave with you, I, wait, wait, I, have, I have one last question. Wait. I have one last question okay, for everybody great. in the no, room. Alicia, right you're one of our, like, this is not a joke, and you're one of our, like, most trusted people when it comes to Australian Bachelor. I think you think more about Excellent. this show yes. than... I, I know I said this isn't a joke, but Me, I actually I mean that it's not a joke. It really feels like it's being set up as a joke. I, I don't. You could interpret this as a joke if you want to, but I promise you I have not. Oh, and the fact that I'm saying it so many times and smiling a little bit... I can't help it. I'm a naturally cheerful person. Where is this going? And I just know this sentence is going too long. We all like to stop doing the podcast. I have a genuine question, which is what would the vibes be like on Bachelor? I'm sorry, on Golden Bachelor in Australia? No, I'm talking about if if they were to um, thinking about things that might help to revitalize the franchise in Australia, which is not in its like, let's say, golden period right now. Yes. um, Could it work? Are. Australian audiences in the right place for it, you know, who... who? I I absolutely think so. And I think that they've been primed through My Mum, Your Dad. I think that's mm. what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, people loved that first season. Um, I, think, I think that there is um, less, like, people already know the format of The Bachelor, so almost you have an inherent level of investment already. Mm-hmm. I just think that they need to take – I feel like um, this is maybe a little bit controversial to say, but I feel like for Channel 10 and Warner Brothers, um, The Bachelor had become such a sort of stalwart in their programming schedule that it was almost like, okay, we can just do this and, and you know, we know how to do this from go to woe, from pre-production to post-production. I, I almost and feel like that's – how that's why we have a season coming is that like absolutely despite absolutely. the fact that there doesn't seem to be an incredibly huge amount of enthusiasm from the public towards it they're just like well we know what to do we have the license we may as well do it and you yes. know you never know kind of thing well alicia this has been really really wonderful i'm so glad to have you here for the first episode of golden bachelor i couldn't imagine a better guest um i hope you've had a nice time too it has just been the biggest joy thanks for unpacking the villain edit with me as well it's available in all good bookstores i was plug (laughs) i was just going to say um earnestly a truly wonderful piece of writing and it is i've mentioned this before it's silly of me to um uh, say that a book is good because I don't read very much. But like, uh, if you have enjoyed any part of this conversation, if you've enjoyed our podcast at all, like this book is truly for you. You're going to have a great time with it. Um, there's heaps of really enjoyable insights in there, both like of the high points and the low points. You can't hear me. I can't hear you anymore. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh my god, everything's crumbling. Well, I know I'm being recorded. Just, just so I- um. I, I can't hear you anymore, but record this sincere, beautiful stuff about the book again in the morning, and yes. I'll say goodnight now. Okay, perfect. Because it yes. is literally so I know, I know. Time. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm imagining you lip reading. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you too.
And listener, sometimes that is just how the episode crumbles. My Zoom broke. I don't know what happened next, uh, but... I think I think that was maybe the longest Zoom call to have ever happened. And Zoom was like, something's clearly gone yep. wrong. Um, where there's too much important and valuable discussion being had. These people are becoming too good of friends. They're clearly creating something too powerful. We need to intervene. Um, they're protecting their own interests, and I respect that. But also, uh, how could they not have seen this coming? Uh, over at Zoom HQ. Anyway, uh, uh, I'd just like to extend another big thanks to Alicia for coming on the show and being such a wonderful uh, guest. And, of course, a big thank you to my close friend, Max Quinn. Find Alicia wherever you can find her on social media. The Villain Edit is out now. We recommend that you pick up a copy. You can find us on social media at BOHpod if you want to join our Facebook community, Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting is what you have to search. There's a host of The Bachelor Bachelor in Australia. His name's Osher. That's how we got there with that. Uh, I don't know that we've got too much else to say, Oh, Zave. that helps. Yeah, that, that helps to explain that. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, come hang out with us online. Um, thank you again for listening. We will have another episode uh, for you before too long about episode two of The Golden Bachelor. Very exciting stuff. Um, thanks again if you joined us for the very first time. Uh, I have nothing else to add except that... There's a certain relationship that Maxwell Quinn and I have towards the listeners of this show. And it would be defined as? Well, some would argue it's a sort of a parasocial thing, but we like to extend the same kindness to them that they extend Mm. to us. Um, the, the just pure joy that radiates from every time I see a number tick up when I see that somebody is downloaded and listens to the podcast. So we might convey that by saying something like... Makes me feel the kind of emotion that people express on The Bachelor in such a long-winded fashion as this, where they really work their way up to admitting that they are beginning to feel that they may, in fact, be seeing the possibility of that they could be... Listener. Saying, we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.